and welcome to Uttlesford District Council's Planning Committee, to everybody in the chamber and to those listening on the web. I'll start by running through how I intend to run today's committee. Before we begin, we have non expected fire drills, and so if the alarm goes off, can you leave by the main door and go down the stairs into the car park? The toilets are out the main door to the right. Um, we'll, we will we'll aim to have a short break around 3.30 if business looks like it will run um, for a while after that. Can I ask you all to either turn off your phones or at least put them onto silent? Thank you. So, for those unfamiliar with the planning committee, council officers have prepared reports on each of the planning applications before us today and have recommended whether each particular application should be either approved or refused. It is, however, for the planning committee members seated along the front here to assess the application and make the final decision. Today we have six applications to consider and one chief officer's report to note. For each application, I will ask the relevant officer to give a short presentation on the proposal, outlining the reasons for their recommendation. I will then invite those of you who have already registered to speak on the particular application to present your views for a maximum of three minutes. The applicant will then be given the opportunity to speak to their proposal and address any issues that have come up from the speakers or the chief officer or the officer's report. Once we have gone through this, I will then open up the discussion to the planning committee members to make their points on the matter, to ask relevant questions of the officers before asking them to make a decision on the application. With a proposal to vote on whether the application should be approved, refused or deferred. I hope that's clear for everyone. Before we go to the first application, we need to... Um, other, go to apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Are there any apologies for absence? Um, Chair, there's an apology from Councillor Freeman and Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. Nobody else. Are there any declarations of interest for today? Helen Parish Council. Councillor Lacount. Anybody else? Uh, Tapley Parish Council. I think we're impacted by Bonningtons and we've got speakers from the Parish Council. Thank you, Councillor Bagnall. Maggie Sutton, um, also take the part. Thank you very much, Councillor Sutton. Um, Councillor DeVries? Councillor DeVries, Saffron Warden Town Council. Thank you very much. Um, I'm Cabinet Member for Communities and Residents, um, Newport Parish Council, uh, Newport Quendon Rickling Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, and the 100 Parishes Society. Thank you very much, Councillor Gerard. Councillor Lachlan. Uh, I'm a member of the 100 Parishes Society. Thank you very much, Councillor Lachlan. Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Uh, a non-pecuniary interest in Hatfield Broadoak. Thank you very much, Councillor Reeve. Regarding the Bonningtons. Thank you very much, Councillor Reeve. Um, I think I need to, because I'm um, ward member for Felston Stebbing as well. Thank you. That's for the... Sorry? Councillor Pappas. Oh, sorry, Councillor Pappas. I do apologise. Uh, ward member for uh, the Chesterfords and Wendell Zambo. One of the applications is for Great Chesterford. Thank you. Is that us? Right, thank you. Going on to matter, um, item two, to consider the minutes of the previous meeting. Thank you. So, 
Can, do we agree that the minutes of the previous meeting, are they, are they agreed? Yes. Propose, propose. You, you, yes, can propose and second, Councillor Gerard. Thank you, all agreed? Thank you. Thank you. I'll just sign these now. So, now let's move on to item three, the first application of the afternoon for consideration, and that is UTT 163565 OP and to the land to the west of Bonnington's Farm Station Road at Hatfield Broadoak, and we'll move on to the officer's report. Thank you, Ms. Denmark. Thank you, Chair. So this application site is located within the parish of Hatfield Broadoak, but it's adjacent to the boundary with Takeley. On its western side of it's on the western side of Station Road, opposite the Takeley Mobile Home Park. The Flitch Way runs along the northern boundary, and there's a public right of way along the western boundary. The application relates to an outline application with all matters reserved, except for access for up to 275 dwellings. The proposals include a site for a primary school, which is here, um, a multi-use games area, which is here, a kickabout area here, a car park and a community building here. It also includes a trim trail, which is shown in yellow, on, uh, yellow dots on this plan. It is also proposed to construct a neighbourhood building with um, a flexible use, which was shown on this plan here. Um, this is potentially allowing retail, financial service uses, a food and drink establishment, a hot food takeaway, or uses such as medical services, a creche or community hall. The scheme includes a buffer to the flitchway in order to protect ecology at this wildlife site, and in addition, it's proposed to provide up to 40% affordable housing. Being an outline application, it is only the principle of the development being considered at the present time, except for the access, where the full details are to be considered. The indicative um, layout plan has been submitted, showing how the development could be laid out. The application is accompanied by an environmental statement under the 2011 environmental impact assessment regulations, those being enforced at the time of the submission of the application. The environmental statement has been assessed as being comprehensive and appropriate for the issues that being assessed, but these were limited to ecology, heritage and transport, and it was essentially only the cumulative impacts which were um, resulting in the environmental statement being required. The site's in close proximity to Hatfield Forest, which is just off to the west of this site um, here. 
Um, this is designated as a site of special scientific interest and a national nature reserve. It's operated by the National Trust as a public recreation area. However, use of the site has increased substantially over the years and the forest is now in an unfavourable condition due to impacts from recreational use. As such, the National Trust, Natural England, Essex Wildlife Trust and the County Ecologists initially objected to the proposals due to an inadequate assessment of the impacts of the proposals on Hatfield Forest. Extensive survey work in partnership with those people has now been undertaken and an appropriate mitigation package has been identified to offset impacts. This includes a financial sum for measures to be implemented at the forest and in addition land outside of the application site but within the ownership of the applicant is proposed to be developed into a dog walking circuit. I'm not sure if you can see it but it's um, the yellow line coming out to the side here going down that field. We've received numerous objections to the proposals, including three local parish councils. However, the proposals have received technical sign-off from all statutory consultees subject to conditions and or Section 106 legal obligation requirements. This includes the provision of some highway improvements, which you can't see on this, so I've blown it up a bit. So it's proposed to install a pelican crossing Sorry, this mouse on this thing doesn't work very well. Um, a pelican crossing to enable access to the um, footpath on the other side of the carriageway. Um, to relocate the bus stops, so there. And a new footpath coming down this side of the road. So this is the access here, so new access there. Um, and um, then... Sorry. We're getting a vehicle activated speed sign to be installed down here. Now, they're down here somewhere round about here was where it changed to the national speed limit. So this is within the um, 40 mile an hour speed limit at the moment. Um, it's also in, proposed to install Mover on the Four Ashes Junction. That is um, some technology within the traffic lights and sensors within the roads to enable them to detect where the queues are building up, coming up to the traffic lights. So um, if a queue is building, it changes the phasing on the traffic lights to enable that queue to go and just to try and keep traffic moving a bit more freely. The site is located outside the development limits and the proposal is contrary to policy S7. However, the council is unable to demonstrate a five-year land, housing land supply and as such the tilted balance is required to be applied. A full assessment is set out in the report and it's concluded that the proposals would not result in adverse impacts that would significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits of the proposals. Therefore, the application is recommended for approval with Section 106 legal obligations as set out in the agenda. Thank you very much, Mrs Denmark. Um, I'd now invite um, the public speakers. And the first one is Jackie Cheatham. And the second one is um, Peter Hewitt. I remind you, you have three minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. My name is Jackie Cheatham, and I have been a resident of Takeley for 46 years, and I'm speaking on behalf of the Parish Council. 
We wish to object to Bonington's application for the following reasons. Firstly, we think this application should be deferred as both Takeley and Hatfield Broadoak Parish Councils were not officially notified about this planning application being determined by this committee. As one of the parishes greatly affected by this development, I feel we should have been given more time to make our response. The site is outside development limits of Takeley and breaches the village boundary, the Flitchway. The development would be contrary to policies NE1 and SP11, protection of the countryside, and development of this site would harm the countryside. Policy C1, this area is in the Broxted Farm Land Plateau, which would also be harmed by the de this development. This area is an open landscape of fields, trees and hedgerows. It is also a migrant route for deer and other animals to get to the forest. Views of Hatfield Forest from the B183 will be lost. The use of the Flitchway as a safe route to Takeley is totally unsuitable, as this is an unlet recreational route and not suitable for access for our housing development. It also gets very boggy when wet and the alternative to use safe walking route would be a journey in a car or walking over a narrow bridge on a very busy road. The site was dismissed in the Schlar, which says that unless there is a proven need to allegate further significant development at Takeley, then the principle of breaching the long-standing boundary of the Flitchway would would be justified. We have not reached that point as the local plan has already started its EIP and the council has gone down the route of proposing three garden cities in Uttlesford and therefore there is not the proven need for this site. By the fact that the EIP has started means more weight can be given to that document but I have not seen much reference to it in the officer's report. A number of local junctions are capacity. This causes rat running already and building another 270 plus houses in this location will only add to the problem. Takeley is classified as a key village but it doesn't meet the definition of UDC spatial strategy and is definitely not a provider of services to a wider area. The new development does not offer any more appropriate services to the area. Takeley is a very limited range of shops and services, there is no doctor's surgery, and the residents have to go to neighbouring villages and towns to access GP services. We have tried to get GP surgery into Takeley for years, and even with a thousand new houses built over the past 15 years, we have not succeeded. The Shah carried out in 2015 for this parcel of land shows the following. Improvements to the road made in association with the golf course permission create a more urban feel to the approach to the village. This is clearly not true, as it also states in, this, in the Shah, the development of this site would introduce a significant amount of built development detrimental to the character. This is hardly a consistent analysis. Takely and the surrounding area have have several large planning applications waiting to be decided. I'm I'll have and to ask you to sorry, conclude. conclude. Okay. okay, right, I'm, I'm literally on the last bit. Um, generated by, cat would be catastrophic for the village. Mr. Bamber provides more details about, about this traffic impact. The village has taken its fair share of housing over the years, and if you allow this site to go ahead, we are in danger of having urbanisation from Bishop Stortford to Braintree. We will lose the rural landscape of the area. The reason Uttlesford has been voted one of the best areas to live in over the past few years. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Thank you very much, Mr. Cheatham. Um, Peter Hewitt, please. 
And after that, it's Sarah Barsett. Thank you, Madam Chairman. My name is Peter Hewitt, and I've lived in Takeley Park for the last five years. I'm the chairman of the Takeley Park Qualifying Residents Association. I'm also a member for the last year of Takeley Parish Council, so I'm presenting the, this information on behalf of those bodies. We respectfully ask the committee to defer the determination of this application due to the lack of adequate notice to read, digest and respond to a 79-page officer's report. We suggest that the process is flawed as neither Takeley Parish Council nor Hatfield Broadoak was informed. We also challenge the timing of this report, which is about a very large-scale development application, even though in outline stage. The local plan is going through the evidence in public process and the Gladman application for another 135 homes on the other side of the park has yet to be decided by the planning inspectorate. We also challenge the assertion in the report that the, in paragraph 5.2 that these proposals are genuinely community-led. They're clearly not, and the list of infrastructure facilities in paragraph 8.1 is clearly risible and hardly community-led. It's interesting to note that on pages 52 and 53 of the report, there are 44 issues against the development proposal raised by people who have registered on the website, but there are only five highlighting aspects in support. To paraphrase that, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Excuse me. Takeley Park is a residential park home, home site consisting of 171 homes and it's unique in its character. The genesis of this park was a response to the development of Stansted Airport and in planning policy terms was treated differently by having its own specific paragraph 19.6 in Appleford District Local Plan 2005. It says, planning permission for the mobile home park was granted in association with the approval of the development of Stansted Airport so as to facilitate the relocation of a number of mobile homes that existed at the airport at that time. In granting planning permission, the Secretary of State considered that the site was outside the clear and well-defined limits of the built-up built part of the village and that the granting of planning permission indicates no general weakening of support for established policy for the control of development in this part of Essex. The site has not been included in the development limits for these reasons. <clears throat> this is confirmed in the UDC District Plan 2005 as Policy Tac 4 and Policy Tac 3 in the Regulation 19 Draft District Plan where it says redevelopment of the mobile home park as defined on the policies map for conventional residential or other development proposals will not be permitted. This sets a clear and robust policy seeking the retention of the mobile home park, stating that conventional, residential or other development will not be permitted. Although there is no reference to this in the 79-page report, we suggest that this sets a clear precedent and should be taken account of when planning applications are considered south of the Flitch Way. In conclusion, 
the resulting urban development would result in a significant harm to the character and appearance of the area, resulting in a conflict with the existing and emerging development plans. The benefits identified as material considerations, in my view and others, is not sufficient to outweigh this conflict, and the raft of mitigation measures will not help to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. The development of this site should not be delegated to the Assistant Planning Director. I will have to ask you to conclude. I've got two sentences, if that's okay. Okay. It should be called into the full planning committee. We contend, therefore, that the development is not sustainable and accordingly ask that the application is rejected or deferred until the outcome of the Gladman appeal is known. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you very much, Mr Hewitt. Hello, my name is Sarah Barford. I'm the Experience Manager for the National Trust at Hatfield Forest. Thank you for allowing me to speak this afternoon. The National Trust has made representations to this planning application and we are grateful to the case officer for setting these out in full in the committee report. As set out in the report, the exponential growth of housing within the local area over the last 10 years has led to recreational pressure on Hatfield Forest, which is a site of special scientific interest and a national nature reserve. Unfortunately, evidence shows that notified features and habitats are being damaged as a result of the increase in visitors to the forest. The Trust has commissioned consultants to assess these impacts and is working on a long-term mitigation strategy to address this, both internally with the National Trust and externally with Natural England and local planning authorities within our zone of influence. The National Trust notes that this site is not allocated for development in the existing local plan or emerging new plan. The Trust concerns relate primarily to the increased recreational pressure that this development would place on Hatfield Forest and also that it would set a precedent for residential development on unallocated sites to the south of the Flitch Way where development has previously been resisted. The Trust supports a plan-led approach to housing delivery. The new local plan is at an advanced stage and is currently at examination. The Trust is therefore concerned that the approval of this application would give rise to further planning applications on sites south of the Flitchway, which would be difficult to resist. The Trust acknowledges that the Council does not have a five-year housing land supply and therefore the tilted balance in terms of sustainable development applies. We are grateful that the applicant and the Council acknowledge the issues at Hatfield Forest. If members agree with the recommendation set out in the report that, on balance, the benefits of the development outweigh the adverse impacts, then we request that the recommended on-site mitigation and financial contribution are secured through a Section 106 agreement. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is um, Bruce Bamber, please. Thank you very much. Thank you, Madam Chairman. My name is Bruce Bamber. I am Director of Railton Transport Planning Consultancy. I've been dealing with transport matters for over 25 years. The junction modelling work for the Four Ashes Junction is not credible because modelled queues in 2023 without the proposed development are shown to be less than those observed in 2017 despite significant increases in traffic. 
When adding development traffic onto the junction, the applicant has made a very optimistic prediction about the number of drivers who will travel south on Station Road. Despite this and the obvious errors in modelling, the proposed development is still shown to lead to increases in queues of between 34% and 120% during the AM peak hour. The development will lead to an overall increase in traffic at the Four Ashes Junction of more than 10%. The applicant relies on the introduction of a mover signal control system to offset the impact of the development. The applicant assumes that mover will provide 13% more capacity. However, research shows that when green times are less than 44 seconds, as is the case here, mover has a negligible effect. The severe impact of the Four Ashes Junction will not, therefore, be mitigated. The junction is currently a significant barrier to pedestrian movement, despite it being, for many en route to many local facilities, the primary school, and bus stops providing access to secondary schools. People currently wait more than the recommended maximum 90 seconds before crossing each arm. Some pedestrians, including school children, already undertake the hazardous diagonal crossing of the junction to avoid the need to wait twice at adjacent arms. The increased vehicle demand at the junction will require pedestrian waiting time to increase further. Nothing is proposed to mitigate the adverse impact of the development on pedestrians in this location. The development's severe residual cumulative impact at the Four Ashes Junction makes it contrary to paragraph 109 of the NPPF and also local plan policy Gen 1 and emerging, emerging local plan policy TA1. The applicant has entirely ignored the narrow footway over the Flitchway Bridge on Station Road. This is not wide enough to accommodate a pedestrian passing another with a pushchair and thus fails to meet any relevant safety standards. No improvement is offered. The applicant also fails to consider the increased chance of rear shunt accidents as queues increase on Station Road at the Four Ashes, given the limited forward visibility over the Flitchway Bridge. These safety concerns make the proposals contrary to paragraphs 108, 109 and 110 of the NPPF, Policy Gen 1 of the Adopted Local Plan and Policies TA1 and TA2 of the Emerging Local Plan. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you very much, Mr Bamber. Um, next speaker is Robert Mackley from Great Canfield Parish Council. Good afternoon. Sorry about the summer attire. <laughs> it is very hot. I, um, if you can hear um, any clapping, it's, um, there's a wedding going on you, next door. I saw them. They look very smart. <laughs> Good afternoon. I am Robert Mackley, Chairman of the Great Canfield Parish Council. This May, an appeal to the Government Inspector took place between Gladman Developments Limited and Uttlesford District Council for a site south and bordering the Fitch Way at great expense to all, which I know some of you attended. The Bonnington's application has many of the similarities with the Gladman site. Neither are in the adopted or emerging local plan. Both are proposing development on agricultural land. Both border Takeley Park and both border and are south of the Flitch Way. The decision on the Gladman appeal is due by the 9th of August 
and it is of our opinion that this decision will have a direct impact on this application. At a minimum, any decision should be delayed until the Gladman decision is known, at a minimum. Notwithstanding this opinion, I wish to draw councillors' attention to two examples from the proof of evidence given by Alison Hutchinson on behalf of Uttlesford at the Gladman appeal in relation to the importance of the Flitchway as a boundary between settlements. Quote one, she said, all of the allocated development together with other smaller areas of housing development that have been approved have taken place to the north of the Flitch, which forms a clearly defined boundary between the urban development to the north and the rural area to the south. She also said, no allocations have been made in either the adopted or emerging local plan on land to the south of the Flitchway. The only residential development that has been allowed to the south of the Flitchway over the years is Takeley Park, and the special circumstances of this development are acknowledged in the adopted local plan. Furthermore, in responding to the inspector's questions, Mrs Hutchinson stated, the Flitchway defines the transition between the built-up area of Takeley and open countryside. Can I just comment that as Alison Hutchinson was speaking on behalf of Uttersford District Council. It is our opinion that this comment also applies to the Bonington site. Allowing this development would result in the loss of the Flitchway as a landscape barrier between Takeley and the villages to the south, which Uttersford has always protected. The officers' report today state that development on this site would impact on the rural characteristics of the land to the south and west, and in particular views across the valley towards Hatfield Forest, and acknowledged that the development would result in some harm of the character of the rural area. Also, in June this year, the Secretary of State, in dismissing the recent appeal by the planning inspector and refusing permission for 1,500 homes in the Braintree District, which bordered the Flitchway, also, sorry, accords significant weight to the harm caused by loss of views to and from the Flitchway. Finally, Great Canfield Parish Council struggles to understand why planning officers recommend sites for approval that are not in the emerging local plan and are against its own policy. This happened in the Gladman application. The planning committee there, here, then refused and the application went to appeal, which I've spoken about, during which the applicant presented evidence supported by the planning officers for recommendation for approval. We urge this planning committee to refuse this application given its own decision to exclude the site from the emerging local plan and set against its own evidence at an unyet, un, as, as, sorry, excuse me, at an as yet undecided appeal, or at very least to defer until a decision on the Gladman site is known. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, our next speaker is Keith Artis from Hatfield Broadoak Parish Council. Good afternoon. It's uh, good to be back. <laughs> uh, I'm speaking today as the planning lead for Hatfield Broadoak Parish Council. Uh, we have collaborated with Takeley and Great Canfield in seeking to prevent unsustainable development south of the Flitchway. Indeed, we have helped in some small way with some financial assistance too. The last action was, the, as already been mentioned, the Gladman's appeal along the Flitchway. As you will know, this was refused by Uttlesford first in 2014 and then again in 2015. The reasons cited were that the proposals would introduce significant new-built form within the rural area, which res would result in significant erosion and harm to the character of the whole area. The harm would be exacerbated by the coalescence of these settlements and the loss of local distinctiveness. 
Furthermore, the development does not constitute sustainable development as set out in the MPF and will result in a significant loss of open space. However, when officers for some inexplicable reason, put the Gladman proposals, which were little more than a minor change, if at all, to the Planning Committee for approval, the committee quite rightly refused this application on the very same grounds that officers originally refused it. The Council then found itself having to defend its Planning Committee decision at appeal, which I must admit your barrister did extremely forcefully. What arguments did they use? Firstly, the advanced state of the local plan and the fact that this uh, site was not in the local plan. Remember, this Bonnington site is also excluded from the local plan due to its unsuitability. So if it was not sustainable enough to be in the local plan, why is it suddenly now? Of course it isn't. Secondly, the Council's principle of trying to restrict development south of the Flitchway was key. It is said sometimes that the planning committee is quasi-judicial. However, the Court of Appeal held that planning committees are not acting in a judicial or quasi-judicial role when deciding planning applications, but in a situation situation of democratic accountability. Unlike judges, committee members are not required to be independent or impartial. They are required, however, to address the planning issues before them fairly and on their merits, even though they may approach them with a predisposition in favour of one side of the argument or another. This new council was elected on a principle of rejecting unwarranted developments if they were outside the local plan and not sustainable. As it has constantly suggested the current plan provides for too much development, it is hard to see how this site can be justified. This committee could also decide that the local plan is sufficiently far advanced now to warrant a very high validity in planning decisions. On that basis too, this application should be rejected. Finally, as has been said, with the Gladman appeal being heard but not decided until next month, why the haste to get this one through? At the very least, it should be deferred. So what are are the parish councils expecting? Refusal due to its unsuitability, its unsustainability, and its detriment to the environment and the infrastructure it will cause. Refusal as it would introduce significant new-built form within the rural area which would result in significant erosion and harm to the character of the area south of the Fitchway. The development, too, does not constitute sustainable development as set out in the MPPF. Refusal for being premature, unnecessary and outside of the local plan. We want this committee to uphold the convictions and stated policy of this new council. R for you. Refuse for us, please. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Artis. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Um, we now have Mr. Robert Pomery. Um, Good afternoon. Uh, Mr. Pomery, between you and Mr. McGowan, you have 21 minutes if you wish to. You have 21 minutes to speak between you and Mr. McGowan. Oh, okay. I, didn't you... I thought I had three, but uh, yeah. I'll uh, elaborate. Sorry, have I missed somebody out? No, I don't. Oh, I am so sorry. I have missed, the, I've missed one. Okay. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. McGowan. I jumped. I jumped at this. Sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Smith. I do apologise. Please come. I am very sorry. That's okay. Thank you very much. So, 
Oh, never mind. Um, my name's Su my name's Susan Smith. Um, I have been a resident in Hatfield Broadoak for over 40 years. I am actually a member of the parish council, but at this point, I want to speak on behalf of the residents and um, feelings uh, and their concerns. Um, and first, can I say thank you to everybody who has so far contributed for saying all the things that I wanted to say and that residents wanted to say against or uh, in, uh, this, this application and the uh, consequences of it. Um, I was going to start with um, uh, the GP services, which are overstretched in our village and the surrounding catchment area. The practice has a list of around 10,000 patients, stretching from Takeley down to matching, shearing. And there can be delays of two to three weeks for a non-urgent appointment and waits of one to two hours in the surgeries for emergency appointments. NHS England states in its representation, the existing GP practice does not have capacity to accommodate the additional growth. That's 688 residents, and if unmitigated, would be unsustainable. And says the development will give rise to a need for additional primary health care provision to mitigate impacts arising from the development. The solution suggested by West Essex CGG is... One a don't, a mitigation payment of £108,507 from the developer towards the extension, reconfiguration, refurbishment or potential relocation of Eden surgeries. Given that the local NHS policy is for a large community health hub in Dunmo, and as the previous speaker said, Takeley is not going to get any more um, any local, any local uh, surgery, um, there would be no support for a provision of, of a surgery on the proposed site. There would, local GPs are unable to increase capacity or simply up sticks and move. So compensation funding will go into a central pot and for local healthcare needs will be unsustainable and further harmed. This appears to be acceptable to the NHS and the West Essex CCG, but it's not, not um, acceptable to residents. Um, ask any resident... But what of one of the um, cons main other concerns is, is traffic. You've heard from Mr. Bamba. We would heartily endorse everything he says, especially about the numbers of um, increasing numbers of vehicles using um, commuter and school run and delivery vehicles and HGVs, which use the um, road, the B183, and the surrounding protecting, protected lanes. Uh, the uh, a survey... Highway's own survey two years ago at the Four Ashes um, logged 6,171 vehicles. 10% of them, nearly 10%, okay, were HGVs and LGVs. And these were, um, I mean, that's two years ago. Uh, these were all, en all entering and exit from the South 183. Our medieval village streets and lanes are choked and unsafe for pedestrians at peak and school times, and people frankly feel powerless in the face of Essex highways and developments like this, and acceptance of developments like this. We would also include damage to the countryside. Bush End residents especially are very conscious of the, that it's a, a landscape area that is sensitive to these sort of developments and damage. And um, if we'd like to say, in a way, our Hatfield Forest and Flitch Way, because they're both in, largely in the parish, we, we um, cannot accept that the mitigations of a dog track 
a dog circuit would deter people from going, using the more wider recreational facilities of Hatfield Forest. Laudable as it is, it's not enough and not necessary if this is rejected. Um, the residents also, we also mentioned were the facilities that um, are intended to the mugger, the kickabout. I need to ask you to okay. conclude. Um, residents would be extremely um, unsupportive if the parish council, which they haven't, have not elected to do it, but if they were uh, obliged to pay for these when we have 12 and a half acres of open space in Hatfield Broad Oak and a recreation ground and a village hall and other facilities and others are located in Takeley. In short, we believe this is an unsustainable, unneeded and damaging proposal which has other adverse effects in Hatfield Broad Oak. And when it's three miles distance from the village, there will be no engagement between the two, no meaningful engagement that we could see. People won't travel around a distance of six miles to get to the other site's facilities and we urge you to refuse it, please. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Mr. Pomery, this time. Thank you. <laughs> so, my name is Robert Pomery. I'm a chartered town planner. Uh, good afternoon. I had anticipated only having three minutes, so I shall use the three minutes um, that I prepared and then I shall deal with some of the things that have been raised. This proposal was, presented, uh, was prepared by the landowners on the basis that it would include from the outset a wide range of community infrastructure to, and to be of a lower density and include 40% affordable housing. The original scheme also included a multi-use games area, a community hub building, car parking for Takeley Football Club, a trim trail, a kickabout area and a dog walking circuit. These facilities were included into the scheme through consultation with the council. The applicants wanted to add a doctor's surgery but were roundly advised by the NHS that they would not support one in this location. The NHS did, however, suggest that £108,000 be spent on local health services, which forms part of this proposal. Consultation also revealed the need for an additional primary school in this location. So while the scheme was in, it was amended and revised to accommodate a 2.1 hectare area for a new school. In addition to that, the education authorities have also requested £2.3 million in education contributions, and that in contribution is again included in this proposal. So it is entirely fair to say that this scheme is genuinely different as it voluntarily includes a wide range of community infrastructure as well as normal Section 106 agreement uh, contributions that are found on every development over nine units. The position of the site adjacent to Takeley and close to the airport ensures that the site is sustainably located. However, the site is also close to the Flitchway and Hatfield Forest. This proximity to these important ecological and heritage assets requires very careful consideration. In the three years this application has been with the Council, it has undergone the closest of scrutiny. 
Natural England, the National Trust and the Council's own ecologist have all been instrumental in the assessment of this proposal and none of these important bodies raise objections to it. Similarly, highway concerns have been raised regarding the Four Ashes Junction and Junction 8 of the M11. Extensive assessment of the proposals in relation to these highway matters revealed no objections from either the highways, from Highways England in relation to the M11 or from the Highway Authority in relation to Four Ashes. In fact, there are no statutory or council consultee, um, uh, consultees who have raised objections to this proposal. There has, as you have heard, been many local objections. These objections are acknowledged and are quite understood in the circumstances. However, Uttlesford has a housing land shortage. Your professional officers, after much scrutiny, advise you that these proposals are both sustainable, compliant with national policy, where local policy is out of date. It is their professional recommendation that these proposals are approved. The government advised local authorities that where development is compliant with policy, it should be approved. Where policy is absent or out of date, development should be approved unless there are demonstrable and significant reasons not to. The professional advice to you is that there are no demonstrable reasons not to approve this development. In relation to the points that were raised earlier, in particular the highway position... Um, I just wanted to read from Essex County Council's response. Um, they were um, aware of Mr. Bamber's representations. They have seen them. They have read his evidence. And they, the Highway Authority say that the Four Ashes Junction has been looked at in detail in terms of its capacity. Essex Highway's ITS team have looked at the uh, assumptions made within the model and are satisfied that the model gives a fair representation of the junction. The type of model used is recognised as one the, um, used by the industry. The cycle times reflect typical cycle times in the AMPM peaks, and the pedestrian cycle times have been included. It is recognised that there is queuing in the peak period, and that this development will impact on the junction. For this reason, the applicant will provide MOVA to improve the efficiency of this junction. MOVA will optimise the junction and allow it to respond automatically to differing queuing lengths and adjust timings to balance the junction and make it work more efficiently, providing greater capacity than is currently available. Highways England has considered the impact of the development on Junction 8 of the M11 and has required a condition to provide more capacity leading from the junction to the B1256. The condition has been included in the informatives of this recommendation for completeness. Therefore, from a highway and transportation perspective, the impact of the proposals is acceptable to the highway authority subject to following mitigation and conditions. In relation to the Gladman scheme, the highway impacts of that alongside this have, will have been modelled in, um, in, in our uh, highways impact assessment and also in theirs. So whatever happens there, that impact has had uh, consideration. And in terms of the local plan, um, my client has objected to the local plan. 
that objection is yet to be heard and as yet no weight can be applied to the fact that the site hasn't been allocated because the local plan um, examination is not complete and the plan is yet to be adopted. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Palmer. Mr. McGowan. Yeah, he had withdrawn speaking. So. Oh, oh, right. Hadn't come, hadn't come to us as that. Okay, thank you very much. Turned it off. Um, I'll open it up to the committee now. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I'm going to say something now. Um, I think ex-councillor Artis has been a councillor long enough to know that he put this committee in a very difficult position, uh, not us particularly, after you, because this is a regulatory committee, not a political uh, committee, and if a decision is made politically, it will leave us open to judicial review or even worse, a legal challenge. So uh, I think uh, we should discount that and just go with common sense and the evidence before us, which is what I'm hoping to do now. So uh, I do notice that um, on this application, there was nothing about water because I do know that Takeley's water pressure is very low and we often have this, you know, it came up at the airport application and it comes up mostly, I know this is Hatfield Broad Oak, but it, it does come up at um, uh, applications that we have in Takeley because especially I believe on a Sunday, I mean there are Takeley residents here, I expect would vouch for that, the water pressure is very low. So I do notice that we've got uh, foul water and sewage, but there's nothing here about... Um, uh, water, drinking water, or showers, whatever. So I wonder if Mr Brown or Mrs Denmark could please enlighten us. Um, right, we do consult the water... We do consult the water authority, and unfortunately it's one of these rare... Uh, sorry, oddities, where one company does with, deals with the foul water and one company does, deals with the drinking water. Um, they only respond if they have a significant point to make. If they don't respond, they're happy. And that is always the way it has been with the water companies, I'm afraid. So they haven't responded to this application, so we can only assume that they are happy. I'm not sure I'm particularly happy with that, but uh, I'll have to go with it because I haven't got any other reason not to, but I, I would like to have seen that it, they actually had been consulted and that um, they were happy because there's absolutely nothing in this report to tell us that. Just to, sorry, for the Chairman, just to clarify, the issue is there, we notify the water companies, actually we're notifying them rather than consulting them, because it is an obligation on the water companies to provide adequate water pressure, supply and quality of water, and that comes out of the, you know, the developer it's, it's down to they, they have an obligation to provide suitable water supply in terms of pressure, cleansiness, and all, all sorts of those issues, as well as the foul moving away as a result of the development. So it is not the development that's responsible for it. I know it, it's a, it's, it should naturally happen that once the development happens, the water authority, the water board, will provide the water. So we have to notify them, notify them of major applications and we also notify them of multiple decisions. So, if this was particularly, if this one was approved, then they would be aware. They would be aware that X amount of house dwellings will be coming on tap, literally, in a, in a matter of times future, and therefore they would have to 
is part of their general infrastructure development moving forward. So that's how it is. It's more notifying them, but Karen's right. If there is a particular serious issue, they will come back to them. So I think rather than saying happy, they probably have raised no objection or, or they haven't come back to us, but they are aware of the situation and, and they will be aware of any decision made if it was a positive decision and that will be part of their infrastructure programme going forward. Okay, I'll take Councillor Bagnall and then Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chairman. This one, sorry, Neil, this, one, this might take a few minutes, so please don't time me out. Um, I'm happy for... Yeah, yeah, I'm happy for that. Thank you. Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, what uh, we were being told relates to Thames Water, because Thames Water did make a submission, and in their submission they specifically say that they haven't evaluated the situation. So there has been input. It was one of the documents that was provided, and in that document it stated uh, not looked at. Thames Water only responded on wastewater and surface water, but not drinking water. Thank you very much. Councillor Bagnall. Okay. Um, if the members can recall our journey to the site. So we came through Takeley, so you would have seen the development in Takeley. Uh, and we turned left to go through Hope End. So you've seen, uh, for those that were on the on the bus, you would have seen the route that we took uh, through the, the rural landscape. Uh, and we turned right onto the Hatfield Broadoak Road. So it gives you a perspective as you come in from Hatfield Broadoak as to what the views are of the area. Uh, and with that in mind, can I just refer you to section 170, paragraph 170 of the MPPPF? which states that planning policies and decisions should, should contribute to and enhance the natural and local environment by protecting and enhancing valued landscapes, sites of biodiversity or, ge or geological value and soils uh, in a manner commensurate with the statutory status or identified quality in the development plan and also recognising the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside and the wider benefits from natural capital and ecosystem services including the economic and other benefits of the best and most versatile agricultural land and of trees and woodland, which obviously would include the forest. Um, so I was, I, was, I was contemplating what people might say today, because obviously being Taylor Parish Council, I was aware of a number of speakers, uh, and I know some people felt that it would be wrong to make a decision uh, until we've had the, the results of the Gladman appeal. Um, but I think... My own view is that it, I, I've now changed that view and I, I think we should be looking to, to refuse this application because I think that the harm it does to the natural landscape uh, and I think there are many, many reasons that people have called out in terms of uh, the, the, the traffic situation. Uh, there's the, the Flitchway, the development of the Flitchway uh, and also the, the so-called benefits of the scheme can't be brought forward. So we've already heard about uh, GP facilities that can't be brought forward so they can raise money but they can't bring forward any services. Uh, I think there's a, a, a site allocated for a school but that won't result in a new school, that will result in money. We won't get a new school as a result. Um, so, so my thinking was that I, I've heard many things uh, and I do accept that we can't meet the housing supply so obviously there's there's weight to be added to that, um, and there's also weight to be added to the 40% affordable housing. I understand that, 
but in my mind there's significant weight to the harm of that landscape view. Once it's gone, it's gone. So as you're driving through from Hatfield Broadoak and you approach Takeley, at the moment you get an agricultural rural aspect. You'll never have that again once that housing development goes up. Uh, and if you also develop south of the Flitchway, you've broken, you've broken almost an unwritten rule that there shouldn't be development south of the Flitchway. The only reason that Takeley Park was allowed to be there was purely to allow for the airport to be built. So I think we have a real duty here to protect certain things. And it feels to me development south of the Flitchway in this location is one of those things that we ought to be protecting. So I put a motion to refuse. Thank you very much, Councillor Bagnall. Councillor Pavitt first and then Councillor Gerard. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, Councillor Bagnall makes a, a very persuasive case, actually, for, for refusing. However, I wonder if we might save us all a lot of time uh, and also provide the parish councillors with more time to consider this if we look for a deferment, particularly in light of the local plan situation and what we might hear from that in the next six, eight weeks, and also on the um, Gladman appeal that might or might not set a precedent of some sort. So I'm wondering if we might save us a lot of time today if we go for a deferment motion to perhaps rehear this in October. Would you like to come yeah. back on that? Just I think I'm... I don't think members have got a... Members need to make their decision whether they wish to defer, but I'm picking up very much what Councillor Bagnall just said. There's quite a lot of merit in saying that in terms of what is the point of deferring it. If we move forward in a few weeks' few weeks' time and we've got the Gladman's decision, and that Gladman's decision is either going to... Well, first of all, we hope we have the Gladman's decision by then, and if the Gladman's decision is that that has been allowed, doesn't necessarily mean that this site needs to be allowed. And just like we've had discussions in this room many a time around this site over there having an influence over that site over there. Similarly, if, they are, if the app site over there is dismissed, is how that's dismissed and how that's considered. So I think, although you quite, I think the big issue is the breaking of the Flitch Green, Flitch, the Flitch Way as a line. And, you know, if Gladman's is allowed, then that has happened, or if the Gladman's one is dismissed because of that. So I wouldn't necessarily say deferral is, is, is necessarily an option, but that's for members to conclude it. If, if members were mindful that the harm is outweighed, by, by, by the benefits, then what's the point of deferring it? Because this is a different consideration to the other site. Um, I would urge members not to defer it to allow the local plan to go through. That was completely that would be completely unreasonable. So I think members are, are minded to determine the application or defer it if you want to wait for the Glabbins. But my advice is I think you're safe to determine the application. Councillor Gerard and then Councillor Eve. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, just following on from Councillor Lachlan, what she mentioned, I'd just like to start off by saying that, as always, I enter these meetings open-minded, each application very much open-minded. We've, um, we've heard a lot of evidence, we've read a lot of evidence, and um, if this application was the previous application on this site of a golf course, I would have no problem with it at all, and I would grant... Lord Sugar, his golf course application in an instant, but this is for a housing um, in a location that is below the Flitch Way. Now, um, we're guided, obviously, by our, by our development plan, 
and we're guided by the national um, uh, framework. And the national framework is very clear, and obviously we are in a state of not having a five-year supply. We all know that. Um, and so we are in a situation of the tilt of balance, and it's very clear that we have to weigh up um, not just adverse impacts, but any adverse impacts versus the benefits. Now, obviously the benefit here is 275 houses to add to our supply that is currently short. And my understanding from officers this morning when we chatted about it that we're short, assuming that our local plan takes another year to go through, about 1,300 houses. 1,300, and this would contribute 275 to that 1,300. So that's, that's, that's a benefit, and that's certainly something we have to consider. But um, we also have to weigh up the adverse impacts, and I think there are several here. The one that stands out to me, and I don't want to go through all of them, because the one that stands out to me is the, is the, the issue of safety, particularly in the, in the, in the transport matter, for uh, pedestrian safety in particular. And I, I draw your attention to uh, Mr. Bamber's report in, in, the, in the Railton report. Uh, the, the matters he mentioned regarding safety to pedestrians, and obviously he did argue that the applicant's modelling was perhaps not quite right. But my concern is the, um, the conclusion in, in, in Mr. Bamber's report does, does um, speak to me because if... If there are going to be severe impacts of this, of this application, of, of impacts of increased queues at the four Ashes Junction in terms of highway safety, and I, I understand that highways made no objections. That's not the first time they made no objection on something that clearly is not right. But the evidence of a professional report in terms of highway safety gives me concern. And as far as I'm concerned, the the sustainability of this development, fundamentally, if, if it fails on safety grounds, for me, that is a, a, a very serious adverse impact that I would give huge weight to in my weighing up. So, in short, um, if Councillor Bagnall is, is putting forward the, the, the motion to refuse, I will gladly second the motion, and I would, I would actually think that we have Gen 1 is a key policy that this um, conflicts with. And again, on balance, I believe that the adverse impacts substantially outweigh any benefits. Councillor Gerard, Councillor Reeve. Yes, thank you. <laughs> what I'd been uh, in, uh, wanting to, to say was, you know, coming back to the proposal to defer, I would see if we could try to make a decision now rather than to defer. Uh, but I realised that that motion was on the table, so I wanted to speak to that. I think on... on sorry, then I defer to uh, whoever wanted to go next at this point. Thank you. Um, Councillor LeCount? Hi, Gary LeCount. Um, I'm going for approval, but with major conditions. I hear what Councillor Gerard said. He used the word pedestrians and then went into traffic. My one is pedestrians. So I'd look at the Pelican Crossing to be actually in place before any homeowner moved into that property. Number two, I think the crossing over the bridge needs to be widened or alternatively cleared because that could also be extremely dangerous. And I did take some 
notice from some of the uh, speakers about the fact is you can't pass two pushchairs. So I'm approval with conditions. Thank you very much. Councillor Stora. Thank you. At last. Um, I'd like to respond to Councillor Gerrard's comments, if I may, and I agree wholeheartedly up to one point, and I may have misunderstood this, um, but I think, I think Mr Pomery told us that the County Council, in its capacity as Highway Authority, had looked at the Railton report and was comfortable with it. Apart from that, yes, I agree entirely. Uh, safety is of paramount importance, but if the County Council have seen uh, Mr Bamber's report and are comfortable with it, then so am I. Um, what I was particularly uh, pleased, dare I say impressed with, with your, was your reference to the tilted balance. When we were driving around uh, the district this morning looking at these sites, I'm so impressed with how stunning it is, with the, the landscape that we see. But this site, this field, which is the subject of this application, is one of those. But I didn't personally see it as having any more merit than anything else. So to my mind, this district is so attractive that sites really have to stand out. It is of no particular uh, landscape merit in the local plan, save for the fact that it's not allocated for, for, develop, for development in the adopted local plan. Um, so that the, if that is the case, to my mind, the tilted balance is such that, as you mentioned yourself, the benefits of the, benefits of the housing and the 40% affordable housing, that's about 110 by, by my reckoning, that to me tips this balance. And Chairman, if we do go down um, the route of recommendations and approving, uh, I would like to come back, if I may, on with a few questions on the matter of education, but that's something perhaps for the next few minutes if we get that far. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Oh, sorry. Councillor Caton. Caton. Can I just comment on um, Councillor Stora's point? I, I, I can understand the emotional uh, impact that this kind of idea will have on taking in Hatfield Bordeaux. But we seem to be saying, well, we're, we're 1,300 houses short of our allocation uh, if to get the five-year land supply. Uh, well, that's tough. But I would put it a different way. We're actually 520 social affordable houses we're saying no to if we don't actually grasp the nettle uh, on, on some of these applications. And, you know, and from my point of view, I do think we need to be considering those who are, cannot afford uh, houses uh, and don't, can't afford six-roomed uh, or bedroomed houses. And when we're making these decisions, now that doesn't mean I'm going to go for this application but I do think there does seem to be a anti-development um, feeling of this committee and I've only been on it for three times 
three, three meetings, and we're not actually thinking about the community benefits and, and social housing benefits that some of this development may bring our communities and our residents. Councillor Gerard. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Um, absolutely, affordable housing is important. Community benefits are important, and I support them wholeheartedly. Having been a developer myself, I welcome good development applications in the right locations, offering the right facilities. Now, in a different location, I would probably support this. But we have to also bear in mind that we are governed by policy, national policy and our own local policy, and within that framework, we have to work. And, of course, we all have our own different weightings of what we feel is more important, less important, more weight, less weight. Now, um, one of our speakers, Mr. Robert Mackay of, of Great Canfield Parish Council, made a good point. He referred to our own barrister, um, um, the, um, sorry, our, our own consultant, Alison Hutchinson, at the Gladman Appeal, when she mentioned the issue of the Flitch Way and how the Flitch Way was, um, in her words, defines the transition between the built-up area of Takeley and the open countryside. That's important. If this was above the Flitch Way, I would probably be in favour of, of giving this and saying, you know what, this is fine, it, it ticks all the boxes, I would err on the balance of, of agreeing. But this is not, this is south of the Flitch Way, and it is below the point of that, of that um, transition between the built-up area of Takeley, which actually this is Takeley, um, although the application, of course, is Hatfield Broadoak. Let's bear in mind that Hatfield Broadoak is a type B village. It's not a key, not a key, uh, not a key town uh, or a key village. It's a type B village. So technically, we're looking at an application in a type B village. Just park that for a moment. But the point is, is that we are crossing over the point of Takeley and countryside. And so if we're going to be consistent... And if, if, this, if we're minded, if we agree to refuse this, it goes to appeal. I'm sure Ms. Hutchinson will probably be sitting in the seat in a few months' time and probably having to argue a similar case. And if we're going to be consistent with um, our position, I think that we need to be consistent. And the fact is, is that we have evidence that, it, that the transport assessment is not sustainable. The, 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 there is risk to... Uh, there is a risk to uh, transport users and pedestrians. But I know, hear what you say about Essex County Council saying it's okay. Well, I'm sorry, but I've had them here answer questions for me, and I do not always believe what they say. They're not perfect. They make mistakes. I believe they made a mistake here. That's my opinion. Um, again, I would say, on balance, I do appreciate that there are needs for... There's a need to bolster our supply, but I don't believe that we should be blackmailed into feeling that we are compelled to agree to things because we haven't in the past and we therefore are under pressure to do so now, or that we're under pressure because we haven't got a five-year land supply. If, a develop, if good applications are put forward and they're proper, they deserve to be approved. If they're not sufficiently proper and sustainable, they don't deserve to be approved. So I stick to the position of seconding the motion to refuse. Councillor Sutton and then Councillor Bagnall. Thank you. Not gone on. Hello. 
Um, I just wanted to just think, you know, make everyone think of three things. One is the amount of housing that Takeley has taken and is still taking. A hell of a lot of development coming towards Takeley. They are, they are inundated with, how, with um, all sorts of uh, planning applications and, and, uh, and re-looking at stuff. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is that to do this, you're going to, you're going to, there's not going to be a boundary between Hatfield, Broadoak and Takeley. They are going to be married up. That's going to be it. Um, and thirdly, we do have to sometimes think of our heritage and things like the Flitch Way, which is very important, and Hatfield Forest. So they're the three things. I can understand while you're thinking, yes, we do need the housing we do need the housing supply, we need all those things, but we've also got to realise we're here to make that judgement. There's three other, you know, these other three issues have to be thought about as well. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Sutton. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, I was going to pick up on the third one about Hatfield Forest. So uh, I think I said in my opening remarks, I fully support the, the, the contribution to the housing number and, and, and also the affordable housing, but as Councillor Gerard has said, uh, we need to see development in the right places. So it needs to be the right sort of development in the right places. And I think you hear from Hatfield Forest. Hatfield Forest are under an enormous amount of pressure from the visitor numbers now, both summer and winter. Uh, and they're at a point where they could potentially lose their status as a national heritage site because of the damage that's been done. So there's a, there's a lot of real issues, and it comes out in the report uh, and in the paperwork, you can see that. So I have grave concerns that uh, a location like this would just undermine Hatfield Forest, and I think also we, we do need to start to think about our ecology and our wildlife as well. So I don't know if you've seen them or if you're aware of them, the migrating deer that come across that area. Uh, where would they go? So I think there, there are more things to consider, and I, I understand that people have different views on different things, so, and I think that's fair. Uh, and I think the fact that different people are minded to do different things is probably healthy, rather than all voting one way or the other. So, uh, but I do think we need to see development in the right places. So it would be great to get 275 in our numbers, but they need to be in the right place. And I think if you've got safety issues on the roads and you've got massive environmental impact, I think that would be wrong. Yeah. Councillor Reeve. Thank you, uh, Chair. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been listening to these debates. This is my first um, sort of uh, declaration. This is my first uh, planning committee meeting, and so I'm sort of struggling with the uh, first decision, and I've been taking it very seriously and doing a lot of reading over the last period, and a lot of the stories that we've uh, heard, uh, yeah, I've tried to uh, make my viewpoint on. As a general point, uh, <coughs> just before I give my reasons for, for what I think should happen, uh, in the, the officer's report, uh, what I've read is a very sort of sound summary of all the facts and all the submissions and all the consultations. And there's also a recommendation leading on to, um, the, in this case, the S106s. But what's not there is the reason for the uh, recommendation. In other words, the, uh, the way all the pluses and minuses are all weighed up against each other, uh, you, you present a totality and you draw a conclusion, and, and I'm sure there's a very sound reason for that. But not knowing that reason, I, would, I found it difficult in the report to properly understand that. And I just offer that as a general uh, uh, point for the first, this being my first 
um, uh, submission to look at. Having said that and listened to the things, I'm, I will be uh, coming down on the, I forget who uh, stated it first, maybe uh, uh, yeah. Councillor Bagnall, uh, to actually to reject this proposal. And, uh, the, and supported by Councillor Gerard. And my, my logic for that uh, summarised as, as follows. The, the main one for me is this fact that it is south of the Flitch Way, which has been defined as a, um, as a sort of boundary and defended as such in uh, appeals and in other cases in the past in both the current local plan and the uh, emerging local plan. So for me, that's a very important um, uh, statement. I remember on the, the Gladman appeal, um, a very sort of throwaway, silly statement I made talking to somebody was, uh, well, if this gets approved, where does it end? And I just said, South End. Uh, that uh, you, you get a growth uh, starting and then it goes, well, this is here now and then the next one and then the next one and it goes all the way down. And so I, I feel that the Flitchway uh, line is a very important um, development line that should be defended uh, as best we can. Uh, of course, on the, the other side of that, I fully understand all the issues around the, the five-year supply. I've, um, and and uh, from my side, I would say that I'm not particularly anti-development, on the contrary, but whether that's yes or no, what I am is very pro-affordable housing. So to the point there, uh, if there's uh, good proposals coming, coming forward, then I think that's absolutely essential for the, uh, the neighbourhood, which, which really needs uh, affordable housing to be given. So one of the downsides of a refusal here is, of course, uh, uh, the lack of, of that, and I, I fully understand that. I've been I've listening to the debates about safety, Yes, an important one. GP, uh, GP surgeries and schools, yes. And this is all that issue of, of the, the sort of more and more development we have, the infrastructure we need needs to be more and more, and whether that's being uh, well done in a good way, I'm not quite sure at the moment, but uh, for me, that's a, those are issues. A couple of things are not, uh, we haven't discussed so far. One of them is, is drainage. I referred to it uh, a bit earlier and got my uh, uh, suppliers wrong. On the issue of drainage, uh, I understand that there is an issue of if there is uh, uh, more development, meaning more uh, concrete and, and asphalt and stuff, that uh, the drainage down into the Princey, um, uh, oh dear, I've forgotten its proper name. Uh, sorry? The, the, the river that, that, uh, that, that it all goes into, that I understand that there are uh, issues with the capacity of that to take uh, excess uh, uh, water. And, and so as a, another detail, that would be something that would it, it need to be looked into. Archaeology, we haven't discussed. I'm well aware that uh, uh, people have had uh, comments about that. Um, of course, the medieval and Roman stuff and uh, pterodactyls, if they come in, I've no idea. But that, that, that is an issue which needs to be uh, um, uh, looked at in, uh, in due course. So, and then the, as a final reason for me, the Hatfield uh, uh, Forest and the National Trust uh, care of that is a key one to me. And I do see that uh, on top of uh, all the Takeley development, which is presumably leading to the uh, increase in the numbers there, uh, this would, would be another factor uh, uh, potentially harming that and the Flitchway in general. So for those reasons, uh, I apologise for the repeating of them. Uh, maybe I'm last, so I can uh, uh, do that as a as sort of summing. But I think that um, 
I will go for a, a, a rejection of this uh, policy when it time comes. Thank you very much, Councillor Reeve. Councillor Catton. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I mean, I want to make it clear that I was not making a statement about this particular application. I was making a general statement of principle in the fact that we do seem to be dwelling very much on the environmental strand of sustainable development as opposed to both the social and the economic strand in this uh, committee. And I do think that that is a grave mistake and we should be more rounded in our decision making. Now I happen to agree that we should protect the uh, land south of the Flitch Green, but that doesn't mean that in some future ones ones which we think are marginal or not good will have to pass so we can get those social and economic benefits. Uh, there will be some environmental disbenefits in some of our decisions. But I do think, uh, and as I've been here for three times, that we do need to get a much more rounded approach to uh, the, the, the committee's decisions than has been shown to date. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody? Councillor Gerard. One final comment. I think Councillor Caton is absolutely right. We must have a more rounded approach. Once we get more rounded and better applications, we can make more rounded, a more rounded approach. I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think we just need to advise the officers that they need to advise the, the applicants. That. We heard that. We take it away, yeah. Right. Has everybody... Are we happy? Right, we'll take this to a vote then. Before we do that, can I just clarify with Councillor Bagnall the reasons for refusal? And I, I'll, I'll come back to you. S7 in terms of countryside impact uh, and, and whether or not you want to include... I think I've made a note of yeah. S7, S2, NE1, SP11, Gen1. Uh, I believe it was. Yeah. I did have a question mark on that yeah. one. The other issue is if you're mentioning S7, do you want to specifically mention the breaking of the Flitch Way? Absolutely. I thought you would. Yeah. And we're happy to do that. It makes it quite clear. I will always advise you away from Gen1, and you will always make that decision based upon whether you think um, making highway refusal reasons can be difficult moving forward, but I would always advise you whether you want to stick with that or not. And I would also advise that you would add something else um, regarding the loss of the infrastructure stuff. So Gen 6 is the loss of the... Uh, uh, because by refusing it, when it gets to appeal, we always, it always comes out with the 106 package when it gets to appeal. So what I would also suggest you bring in the Gen 6, which is the, the lack of infrastructure to... I mean, I know... Adequate infrastructure has been put forward, but you need to mention Gen 6 as a refusal reason. I would also suggest H9, which is the affordable housing element. Um, I will take Karen's advice on this in terms of Gen 7, in terms of nature conservation, because as part of this development put forward has been a package of mitigation regarding Hatfield, uh, Hatfield Forest. You have, may have come to the decision that that may not be enough, and that's the dog trail, linkages to Flitch Way, all those type of things, which have been put forward in terms of contributions. You may have come to the conclusion that's not enough, but if this is allowed on appeal, you at least want that. So I would also suggest, but then is that covered in terms of Gen 7? I think we need EMV 7 as well because of the designation of Hatfield yeah. Forest. Um, um, also... 
so um, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm not clear on that because I didn't call any of those out. No, so, but yeah. so are we, just to be clear, are we calling out Gen One? No, what I'm saying is sorry. The no. first issue, the first question, question is, do you want to include Gen One? I'm yes. always going to advise you not to. You're going to come back. Yes, I knew you would, but I just need to do that. The second issue is, you do need to confirm if this goes goes to the next stage, goes to an appeal. You need to secure the infrastructure like the affordable housing, the contributions. You may be saying that's not enough in terms of what's put forward, but you at least you need to confirm that. So that will be covered by a Section 106 package agreed at the appeal. So you have to put that as a refusal reason. They haven't provided, they haven't provided uh, Gen 6, H9, and which covers the affordable housing and the infrastructure that would be required to mitigate against the development. Otherwise, the development is just to be considered on S7 and there won't be any infrastructure. So if right. you look at page 64 of my report, yeah. it sets it's, it's out it's all of the stuff odd. that we're trying to capture. It's just gone offline. Okay, right, so we need on. a refusal reason 64. covering... So yeah, page 64. S, S7, we've said any one, I've got SP11 and Gen 1. Sorry, SP11. I think I've got SP11 that I picked we up. We don't have a current adopted policy SP11. Is there not an SP11? Um, no, there isn't an adopted policy SP11. Where's SP11 but gone then? You could do paragraph 170 of the MPPF to tie alongside um, uh, S7. Um, and then if you look at page 64, Gen 6, H9 and EMV7 would cover the majority of that stuff that's in that section so there. protection of the countryside, I've got SP10. SP10 is in the emerging local plan. It has limited weight at the moment. You don't, what happens as part of the appeal process, there will be an up-to-date discussion between us and the inspectorate and the appellant at the time in terms of what's the situation regarded. Those, those policies will be put forward as a material planning consideration moving forward. If we get to an appeal, and by the time we get to appeal, if we end up we've got an adopted plan, then they will be the leading policies. So at the moment you've got the adopted plan plus any para paragraphs within the MPPF that, that fill the joins between that and what the emerging plan is going to be doing. Do, do we have something around scheduled monuments, sites of archaeological importance, as in EM51? The impacts on Hatfield Forest are more around the um, recreational impacts on the ecology rather than impacts on the scheduled ancient well, monuments. I, th I think I'd read somewhere that there was, a, there was a massive potential impact on the forest status, so I, I would have thought that was around sites of potentially, importance. Potentially the um, registered park and garden designation that it Should has. Should we revisit this in terms of getting the re reasons for refusal? Do you want to we, we could do that. I mean, the, that was the other suggestion in that terms of what I'm sense. happy to do is to bring back members... Well, obviously, we've got to go to the vote, but if yeah. members resolve to refuse it, then I'm happy to bring back next month the reasons for refusal okay. to put forward. It, because it would be... Yeah. Councillor Gerald. I just wanted us to have a... Obviously, I'm, I'm seconding the, the motion yeah. when we go to the vote, but... Um, matter of Gen 1, obviously, is the, float, is the floater that yes. I think both of us feel that it's important. But yeah. can you just... I know that you're, you're not you happy about it, Mr Brown, but, um, Nigel, but um, on balance, if we both want that in, are, are you reasonably comfortable to keep it in? I'm not going to cry myself to sleep if you put Gen 1 in there. The, the issue is... The, the only argument is that the problems we have in defending Gen 1 because any highway engineer 
will look at it and say, well, the county have supported the application. Members have come up with clear reasons why they're not satisfied with Gen 1. Um, I would anticipate that we will be. So moving forward, we could, we could try to defend it. It may be in partnership with, 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 the, with the, the parish's representative moving forward. So that's, that's the way forward in terms of doing it. But I would always talk you away from Gen 1. If it's an absolute disaster, then I will tell you it's an absolute disaster. I wouldn't go that far in this particular case. But so, the, so the issue is, the, the call is for the proposer. If you feel that you would like the, the, the refusal reasons packaged and brought back, that may be a good way moving forward in terms of bringing matters forward. Um, and then we're, we're happy, I'm happy to do that. I mean, Jeff, I'm happy with that, yeah? Yeah, I'm happy to do it that way, yeah. So subject to the vote. So, so, what, so what's going to happen is you've got, you would end up with a proposal to, to refuse subject to the con refusal reasons being brought back to the next planning committee for ratification. So, but you would be moving to refuse it today. You're happy, settled. Right, thank you. Okay, we have a proposer, Councillor Bagnall. Propose, propose, yes. Councillor Gerard. Seconded. So, we have the, the motion to refuse the matter, and I will now take this proposition to a vote. All those in favour of this proposition to refuse. Thank you. That was ten. And uh, in favour or against the against the, against the proposition? One. Two. two. So ten, four, and two against. Thank you. Sorry, just to clarify, that matter has been refused with the Mason for refusal brought back next committee. Thank you. And given that it is. 3.30, and I said we would stop for a break at 3.30, we will have 10, min 10 minutes, do you think? Yeah. 10 minutes, so we're back in here for 22.44. Thank you. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been te temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been 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 temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Thank you. If we can, we'll continue now with UTT 183529, Outlying Planning Commission, Land to the South of Braintree Road in Felsted. Ms. Denmark. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Right, this is an application site located to the south of Braintree Road in Felsted. You've got residential development fronting onto Jolly Boys Lane to the west of the site. There's boundary hedging around pretty much most of the boundaries, although there is some open gaps along the rear boundaries of the properties in Jolly Boys Lane. Um, there's residential development opposite the site on the, the northern side of Braintree Road and then agricultural land around the site. Uh, members went to the site this morning and so have seen the site. Um, there are two public rights of way crossing the site. The proposal is an outline application with all matters reserved except for access, and this is for 30 dwellings. Access would be onto the Braintree Road, and an indicative, an indicative plan has been submitted demonstrating how the proposed development could be accommodated within the site. And this includes upgrading the two footpaths that were across the site. So this is the one that we walked across this morning. And, and then this one up here, uh, which was in the site, we didn't go up that far within the site. Um, they would be upgraded to being three metres in width, with houses set back from the footpaths overlooking them. The scheme originally included the provision of community halls, so you see references to that within the report, in the um, representations. But following the objections to the proposals, that has now been removed from the scheme. 
A previous scheme was refused by the planning committee and dismissed at appeal for 55 dwellings, and the applicant considers that the current proposals overcome the previous reasons for refusal. Now, Councillor Storer kindly contacted me prior to the committee to seek clarification regarding um, the appeal decision and um, the conflict that the inspector found with the MPPF. Now, the inspector found conflict with paragraph 17, 60, 64 and 112 of the 2012 MPPF. Paragraph 17 used to set out the core principles of sustainable development. This section has not been carried forward to the new MPPF, but many of the principles remain, but are now set out in the topic chapters. The element of paragraph 17 that the MP, of the MPPF that the inspector found conflict with was that about in protecting the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside and as referred to earlier by Councillor Bagnall, this can now be found in paragraph 170 of the MPPF and it's partially in line with policy S7, or sorry, S7 is partially in line with that um, uh, thinking. Um, the inspector gives two different um, reasonings for his refusal. In the discussion, he starts on about the application having a material harmful impact on the character and appearance of the area. But then by the time he gets to his conclusions, he's referring to the limited degree of openness and visual character of the countryside. So I would give his conclusions more weight than the earlier discussion, seeing that he's reached out having an overall view of all of the um, proposal. Paragraph 60 relates to local distinctiveness, and this is a phrase that hasn't found its way into the revised NPPF, but this generally ties in with the concept of good design, and the principles of paragraph 64 set out the requirements for um, development proposals to improve the character and quality of the area and the way it functions. And that's now reflected in paragraph 130 of the revised MPPF. Um, now, in this respect, the inspector was particularly concerned about the very urban form of the development, referring to it being akin to development at Flitch Green rather than Felsted. This is the previous scheme. Um, as you can see, footpaths are completely submerged into the development. It's a very high density. Everything's all squashed in together. And it is a very urban form right on the edge of um, Belstead. Um, this scheme is much more relaxed. It's much more um, generous in its plot sizes. And the um, two public rights of way have been given priority within the site and um, the development is set around them rather than them being completely submerged into the scheme. The final paragraph that the inspector found conflict with was 112, and that relates to best and most versatile agricultural land. Now, I've covered that in some detail in um, section B of my report on pages 91 and 92. The proposals have received objections from local residents, including the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, who are concerned that the proposals conflict with the emerging neighbourhood plan. And I've set out in paragraphs 10.4 to 10.8 the position regarding the neighbourhood plan and the weight that can be attached to it at the present time. 
No statutory consultees have objected to the proposal subject to conditions and or Section 106 legal obligations. This includes mitigation required to offset potential impacts on the Blackwater estuary as set out in the Essex Coast Recreational Disturbance Avoidance and Mitigation Strategy. So as such, the proposal is recommended for approval as set out in the agenda. Thank you very much. We have four speakers um, for this application. Um, first speaker is Councillor John Evans. And if you'd like to come and speak, Councillor Evans, you have five minutes um, as you're the ward member. Thank you very much. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I'm making the following representations at a general level, as I know that representatives of Falsted Parish Council and the Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group will be making further and more detailed site-specific representations to you on behalf of the bodies they represent. As you have heard from the officer, this site has history. It was the subject of an application for outline permission for the development of 55 dwellings in 2016 by the land promoters Catesby Estates Limited. This was refused, and an unsuccessful appeal was made, and the inspector published his decision on 11th July 2017, just some two years ago. An unsuccessful attempt to attempt a judicial review was made thereafter. Not content with that rather determinative planning setback, the landowner, this time as a shareholder in the applicant, Go Braintree Road Limited, has come back with a revised outline application for development of 30 dwellings. The applicant company is very newly established, being incorporated only on the 28th of November 2018. It has a share capital of £2. The application itself was put in on the last working day before Christmas on 23rd December 2018. A sister company with the same shareholders is also active in Felsted at Gransamore Meadow. For reasons best known to themselves, but rather unusually I would suggest, the register of shareholders and persons with significant control in both companies is, with effect from the 31st of December 2018, no longer on the public register. I mention these background factors should they be material to consideration of the financial ability of the applicant to comply with any requirements which might be considered in the context of Section 106 obligations. I submit that the making of planning decisions must have consistency running through them. It is a point made by the officer in her report in the context of agricultural land, which I shall refer to later. Here, the applicant is seeking to have a third bite at the cherry, allowing for the earlier appeal and judicial review. The courts have explained why consistency is important. As Lord Justice Mann in the Court of Appeal stated in North Wiltshire in 1993, one important reason why previous decisions are capable of being material is that like cases should be decided in a like manner so that there is consistency. Consistency is self-evidently important to both developers and development control authorities, but it is also important for the purpose of securing public confidence in the operation of the development control system. Later cases have reinforced this view. In this instance, there is prospectively no consistency. Following the call for sites process, this site was described by this council, by the officers, uh, as being unsuitable. It was considered unsuitable as development on the site would not contribute to sustainable patterns of development. Here we have something, if this application is allowed, would lead to inconsistency. The reasoning of the earlier appeal decision in 2017 was based on the appearance of the then proposed scheme and the loss of best and most versatile agricultural land, as the officer has described. 
It is important, however, to look at the decision. The officer does not summarise it completely in the following respects, where she writes, refused and dismissed due to inappropriate form of development with a scale and layout akin to development found at Flitch Green. This is not the complete picture. The inspector at paragraph 10 of his decision stated that the likely layout and urban form that any development of up to 55 dwellings with a single access point off Braintree Road would be at odds with the prevailing pattern of development found in the directly adjoining settlement of Felsted. In the concluding section of the report, the inspector said the likely layout and atypical urban form guided by a single access point would fundamentally jar with one of the key principles of planning, which is to act in the public interest by protecting and enhancing our built and natural environment. In this respect, the unacceptable urban form of the development is diametrically opposed to the concepts of good design and promoting or reinforcing local distinctiveness, notions which lie at the very heart of good planning practice. Given these conflicts, these adverse impacts should weigh very substantially in any planning balance. I would suggest that the change in the application now before you, as compared with that previously rejected on appeal, is not that significant as to permit you substantially to depart from the inspector's uh, decision uh, those years ago. As to the loss of best and most versatile agricultural land, the officer refers to inconsistency in approach by members and planning inspectors. Now is the opportunity for you in the context of at least the community of Felstead to re-establish consistency. You have seen the arable land under a cereal crop, which on Saturday when I walked it had yet to be harvested, and it surrounds the site to the east and its very attractive rolling appearance with the public rights-of-way crossing. That, that site, as is the site in question here, is grade two DEFRA uh, categorised. It should be respected. The fact that it happens to be grassland as of today is a matter of choice of the applicant. That field is typically corn country and historically was that. The fact that it is mere grassland today should not be uh, the paramount uh, factor. The inspector refers to the treatment of uh, agricultural land in the Marinello and the Clifford Smith appeals heard in May and June of this year, very recently. Uh, I have not been able to find in those uh, appeal decisions the references to uh, agricultural land in the way that the, inspe- that the officer describes. I suggest, however, that the loss of best and most versatile agricultural land which would be involved here if this application is granted should be looked at on a more local basis than that of Uttlesford as a whole. It should be looked at in the context of Felsted. Agricultural land gives rise to employment in the form of farm and contract labour, and that must be looked at locally, surely, rather than at district level. Thus, in local terms, the loss of this best and most versatile agricultural land is significant, using the expression which the officer describes. Councillor Evans, Councillor Evans, you need to sort of conclude, really. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to uh, ask you, uh, Madam Chairman, to consider a map which has been prepared by Felsted Parish Council, which shows the uh, land recently uh, the subject of applications in Felsted, which I suggest might be of use to you in consideration of this application, if I might put that forward. Sorry, thank you. Yes, thank you. 
Can you give it to uh, um, if you give it to um, Anna? Thank you. Clarify to people watching the. I haven't seen the plan before, but for the benefit of Councillor Evans yeah, and the people right. that, yeah. when the coach left you this, when the coach left the site this morning, we drove back to the Marinello site and the Clifford Drive site, and then we we'll, then drove back again and through out. So, and all the various sites that have been put forward and have been considered have been pointed out from members, and that's why I've been relaxed in terms of drawings being passed around in the meeting. Usually, I'm quite strict. You haven't you got one? Oh, you weren't on the bus. <laughs> but that's why I've been relaxed with a... But usually I'm quite... Really, usually quite... Don't like last-minute plans being passed around the meeting. But I think this would actually probably clarify the things that Karen was pointing out on the coach this morning. Can I just say it's actually not so much a plan as um, a map yeah. with um, the sites around Felsted. So, okay. Can I just come back on one point? Um, so the speaker referred to um, trying to find references in the Marinello and Clifford Smith Drive regarding um, agricultural land. Um, if he'd read me the report properly, he would see that I was referring to the Eastern Park um, appeal decision and the Fairfield appeal decision where the Secretary of State discussed the issues of best and most versatile agricultural land. I didn't refer to Marinello or the Clifford Smith Drive appeals in that respect. Thank you. Um, our next speaker is Roy Ram. Mr Ram is the, Felsted, um, the chair of the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan. Thank you, Mr Ram. Chair, um, myself and Mr Freeman um, have prepared uh, a, a presentation, as it were. Um, if we can either do three minutes each or I can keep talking for six minutes, if that's acceptable. It's, it's up to you, whichever you pre prefer. You have six minutes between you, so you can yeah. do whichever way you like. I'll, um, I'll take the six. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like I'll give it five. <laughs> yeah. Councillors, uh, I'm Roy Ram. I'm the chair of the Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group. My colleague, Richard Freeman, uh, and I are both members of Felstead Parish Council. And there are two aspects of this unwanted development for Felstead, a type A village of historic significance that we'd like to address. Firstly, the development itself. The development will be a significant intensification in the built form that would in turn alter the character of the surrounding locality and have an urbanising effect out of context with the existing pattern of development and harmful to the setting, character and appearance of the countryside, contrary to policy S7 of the adopted local plan. The proposal, due to its close position abutting the Felstead conservation area and its urbanising impacts, would restrict and obscure views in and out of the conservation area from the wider agricultural land and from other public vantage points. It would result in the detrimental harm to the character and setting of the conservation area, contrary to powers 132 and 134 of the MPPF and the requirements of section 72 brackets 1 of the Planning Listed Buildings and Conservation Areas Act 1990. Councillors, you will not be surprised to know these are not my words. These are words of this very committee. Two years ago, a very similar planning application for development of this same site came before this committee. 
the committee found many justifiable and valid reasons for refusal. The committee's decision was, as we've heard, appealed. The appeal inspector totally concurred with this committee's findings. He said, the development fails to recognise the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside set out in Paris 17 of the framework through the loss of an open agricultural field, which is an important component of the countryside around this part of Felstead. With the complete loss of the agricultural field, this would represent a significant development. Whilst I recognise the benefits arising from the proposal and that some of this amounts to significant weight, I find that the adverse impacts I have identified would significantly and demonstrably outweigh these benefits. I therefore conclude that the proposal should not be granted permission, as indicated under Para 14 of the framework. The proposal would fail to accord with the adopted development plan and there are no material considerations that indicate that the proposal should be permitted. He dismissed the appeal. On the 27th of October, as we've heard, an application for judicial review of his decision was dismissed in the High Court uh, by a judge who said the reasons for the refusal and dismissal of the application continue to be valid and there could be no justification for approval of this revised application. Chair, reducing the number of dwellings to 30 will not make this development invisible. The associated access roads and infrastructure would have serious impact on this greenfield site immediately adjacent to Felstead's conservation area. Impact that was previously wholly unacceptable both to Uttersford District Council and the Planning Inspectorate. It seems very clear that the comments both of this committee and of the inspector were not based on a specific number of dwellings but on the principle of development of this site. So what's, what's changed? Nothing. It's the same field. I now turn to the impact this application could have on the Felstead Neighbourhood Plan. Our plan supports 63 dwellings, a doctor's surgery, safe access to our primary school and parking for over 100 vehicles on two allocated sites. It delivers very significant community benefits. Mr Brown previously referred to it as a very good plan. Para 48 of the revised MPF guidance says weight may be given to relevant policies in emerging plans in decision making according to the stage of preparation of the emerging plan. The more advanced its preparation, the greater the weight that may be given. If only fully made neighbourhood plans were relevant, the National Planning Policy Guidance would not include specific provisions to allow decision makers, such as your committee, to consider the significance of advanced neighbourhood plans. And our plan is very advanced. Submitted for examination, it completes the final six weeks of its statutory consultation period today. And importantly, it does not support this site. This site's prematurity with regard to paragraphs 48 to 50 of the MPPF and the fact that the decision maker must respect the circumstances at the point the decision is being made means the plan-led development approach is significantly undermined by this application. The UDC... The UDC case officer says, I give the FMP limited weight because it still has to be considered at examination and to pass a referendum. 
The applicants, however, reference the, our plan no less than 18 times in their design and access statement, of course only where it suits them. Their claim of alignment with this plan is factuous. It is not aligned with para 5.4.19, which says parishioners have been unanimous in resisting further development, nor is it aligned with the site assessments, which recalled that this site has been carefully considered and rejected. Chair, the Government's intention for neighbourhood planning was to provide a powerful set of tools for local people to deliver the right developments for their community, while also planning, policy, planning positively to support strategic development needs. Councillors, our plan's 63 homes support UDC's tr strategic development needs. Our plan is fully aligned with UDC's local plan. In the last three months alone, permissions have been granted for over 50 new homes in Felsted, none of which are in our neighbourhood plan. If development continues at this rate, parishioners will rightly ask why they should support a neighbourhood plan which includes 63 more homes, and they won't be alone in asking. In conclusion, you have two important decisions before you today. The first is whether to reverse this committee's previous refusals, which have been supported by the Planning Inspectorate and a High Court judge, and in our submission that would be perverse. The second is about the message you send to the residents of Uttlesford about the value of neighbourhood plans. If you support this application, residents may well conclude that neighbourhood planning and government localism policies are a sham. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Mr. Ram and Mr. Freeman. Thank you. Nigel Tedder. Sorry, it was flashing at me. It was green and red. You have it up to 11 minutes, Thank should you. you wish to. Thank you. Good afternoon. I am Nigel Tedder of Go Planning Limited, who are the agents for this application at land south of Braintree Road, Felsted. The application is a joint venture between Go Homes Limited, a local house builder, and the landowner, which means that if supported by your committee, the site can be delivered quickly and contribute to your need to increase housing supply. This is an outline application including access and provides for up to 30 new dwellings with 40% of these being provided on site as affordable housing. As previously mentioned by others, the site has been refused planning permission for development described as for up to 55 dwellings for which a planning appeal in 2017 was dismissed. It is important to note that the opinion of the planning inspector at that time was, to quote his paragraph 49, the likely layout and a typical urban form guided by a single access point to serve the up to 55 dwellings would fundamentally jar with one of the key principles of planning, which is to act in the public interest by protecting and enhancing our built environment. The planning inspector went on to say the unacceptable urban form of development is diametrically opposed to the concepts of good design and promoting or reinforcing local distinctiveness. Perhaps put more simply, the indicative proposals for the previous scheme for up to 55 dwellings 
did not provide for a level of development that could be designed in such a way as to integrate both with the existing settlement of Felsted and the surrounding countryside. With the earlier appeal fresh in their minds, the updated Schla disregarded the site for potential development and along with the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, it was not part of either the emerging local plan or the draft Felsted Neighbourhood Plan. However, such an overview was unable to consider the merits of the site in depth and therefore the opportunity for the site to provide sustainable development had not been considered any further. What has changed? Fundamentally, a detailed design review has brought about close to a 50% reduction in the proposed dwelling numbers. This in turn has provided for a genuinely landscape-led design approach based on one of the Essex Design Guide lowest density ranges, allowing the proposals to integrate in a far more harmonious way with the existing edge of Felsted Village and then transition to the open countryside beyond. The southern boundary of the proposals has been adjusted to align with existing adjacent housing and the linear frontage with central access leads to a loosely knit layout incorporating public rights of way and significant areas of open space within the design. These collectively deliver a development that provides for the core planning principles of the MPPF with a high quality design good standard of amenity for existing residents and future residents alike, whilst responding to the site's edge of village setting. The, the inspector, in reaching the conclusion on the up to 55 unit scheme, decided that the proposals would not result in any harm to the conservation area or design, designated heritage assets. Given the significant reduction to no more than 30 dwellings and extensive areas of open space, this would remain the case. The inspector also gave significant weight to the provision of 40% affordable housing within the earlier appeal, which remains a positive benefit for this application. In considering the Felsted Parish Council uh, previous request that the affordable housing element was instead provided as a community payment, a commuted payment towards community facilities such as a community hub containing a doctor's surgery, village shop or village hall for example, he was unable to afford any weight to this request. Usselsford's strategic housing market assessment continues to show very strong demand for affordable housing within the district and the rural Community Council for Essex, in their most recent July newsletter, refer to the significant need for rural affordable housing to be provided. The site has been disregarded due to the earlier appeal when the high-level overview was carried out in 2018. The updated SLA states, the inspector concluded that the development would have a material harmful impact on the character and appearance of the area. In the light of the appeal decision, the site has been considered unsuitable as development on the site would not contribute to sustainable patterns of development. This is despite the site receiving the second highest level of positive responses in the earlier stages of the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan and the Housing Needs Survey. This is at odds with the detailed review undertaken by your planning officer 
which, having assessed the planning history and appeal for the site's development, has clearly considered the fundamental changes that have been made to the application as representing both good design and promoting or reinforcing local distinctiveness. The Felsted Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group advise that if these 30 dwellings are allowed, there is every likelihood that the residents of Felsted will resolve that accepting a further 63 enabling dwellings is a step too far and therefore will refuse to support the neighbourhood plan at referendum, resulting in the loss of vital amenities. This is simply not the case and they have no evidence to support this. The draft submission Felsted Neighbourhood Plan allocates two sites for housing in Felsted, providing for approximately 60 dwellings, and given the requirements for the Berry Farm site to deliver a new doctor's surgery and for the Sunnybrook Farm site to deliver improved parking and drop-off facilities to Felsted Primary School, they are not seeking to request that these deliver any affordable housing. The steering group advised within their submission neighbourhood plan that the affordable housing needs for the parish of Felsted have been met, yet the Uttersford District Council's housing officer for this application before committee today refers to over 1,000 people on the home option register. Despite the huge amount of work that has gone into the neighbourhood plan, this, we believe, shows a significant misunderstanding of the housing needs locally. The study, as referred to, being over three years old and only fully completed by a handful of residents who indicated they had an affordable housing need. The Neighbourhood Plan Regulation 16 consultation concludes today and the consultation responses will be reviewed before any amendments, examination, alterations and then only referendum. The Neighbourhood Plan has several steps still to go through and as such, the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan has limited weight. Recent appeal decisions in May and June for both Marinello and Clifford Smith Drive in Watchhouse Green have been allowed as they constitute sustainable development whereby the presumption in favour applies. The Marinello inspector noted that there is little evidence before me to indicate that the cumulative effect would be so significant that to grant permission would undermine the plan-making process. Whilst the Clifford Smith Drive inspector stated that since the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan has not been approved at referendum and that there is no certainty that it would be brought into force in its current form, I attach it only limited weight. As outlined within your officer's report, the proposals provide a positive approach to the three strands of sustainable development. It provides a positive economic, social and environmental dimension. The landscape and visual appraisal indicate that the application site is generally well contained. It is acknowledged that the development would extend into open countryside. However, the limited harm would be outweighed by the significant public benefits in delivering an early contribution to your council's rolling five-year housing supply, including affordable housing within a highly sustainable location. Your planning officer's committee reports highlights the following. Extensive vegetation in the form of hedgerows and trees to the site's boundaries, which provide for the site to be well screened from the surrounding countryside. That the proposals are well located with regard to local services, which they can support, and the layout shows a more sensitive and appropriate form of development due in part to the significantly lower density. 
Go Homes are pleased to advise that they have sold their first dwelling at their Chelmsford Road development in Felsted to a local couple whom are first-time buyers and have used the government help-to-buy scheme, with the second home having been sold to a couple downsizing. The development is in strong demand. At today's site visit, concern was expressed as to the access location. This central point provides the best visibility in both directions and was not a matter for previous refusal on the up to 55 unit scheme. In conclusion, there are no technical constraints to the development. The proposals are well connected, being 600 metres from the village centre. The application, whilst in outline form, shows a sensitive and appropriate form of development. The proposals are very low density. 40% affordable housing is to be provided on site to to meet local need. It is an inclusive development that would be accommodated within the settlement. The reserve matters would be submitted within two years rather than three to assist the deliverability of a five-year housing supply. Finally, that the proposals are sustainable development and members are asked to support this application. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Tedder. I open it up to the committee now. Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair. May I start by asking a question of, to one of the speakers? Yes. Seeking clarification. It's a question for Mr. Ram, if I may. Uh, it's just to clarify something that you're, you said. I'm sure you said it clearly. My concern is my hearing's rubbish. That's one thing. Did I catch what you said? And it was when you were talking about the impact of roads and houses on sites, I think you said something like, in this particular context, it seems as though it's a principle. Do you remember saying that? Or something? Could you hit the button, please? Thank you. Do you remember that? It's midway somewhere, somewhere well in the middle. It might have been the inspector's opinion... You see it, Rich? Um, I got the impression it was your personal opinion on that of the Paris Council. I can't, can't recall. I think this may be the reference that you're uh, asking me for. So it says, uh, I said it seems very clear that the comments both of this committee and of the inspector were not based on a specific number of dwellings, but on the principle of development of the site. So what has changed? Nothing. It's the same field. What's the beginning of the sentence, please? It it, it seems. It seems. Right. Thank you very much indeed. That's what I thought you'd said. Thank you, Chair. May I um, continue now? As as we've heard, this site has um, um, a history... The inspector, in dismissing the previous approval, the previous application, um, in a way, helpfully, and I'll me- clarify what I mean by in a way shortly, um, identified four, I think, adverse impacts 
that I think would be helpful in the context of applying the tilted balance. He considered that they weigh very substantially. The first one, and I'm pleased to know that Mrs. Denmark also wondered about this, because it, it seemed to stay at the limited degree of harm on the openness and visual character of the countryside. That's, to me, not that damning, not that final, personally. The second point was the loss of best and most versatile agricultural land. Now, when I read that, I didn't know whether to be happy or sad. Because how many times have I used that policy, sat in that chair to this committee, and it always counts for absolutely nothing? That's because the vast majority, the vast bulk of agricultural land in this district is of high quality. So um, development has to go on it pretty, pretty much. So there, is, there aren't many parts of the district that aren't on that quality of land. So, on that basis, again, I don't see that as a showstopper. He put it in as weighing against, and indeed it does, but it wouldn't be the only reason. Let me put it that way, I suspect. The other two reasons that he quoted were the adverse impact on the character and appearance of Felstead and they lay out an atypical urban form. And that latter aspect seemed to relate to the single point of access. And so there are two issues that are of concern to me in this tilted balance. One is whether or not the inspector had, in, had said or implied that there was an in-principle objection to development on this site. And this is why I pose that question to Mr. Ram. I just want a clarification as to what it said. And it said, it seems, that's all. Nowhere, I think, does it say, no, I don't get that impression. And likewise, the layout, an atypical urban form. I found it surprising that the inspector had, he went into great detail about the layout of the site, which to me was somewhat surprising, given that the application then that he was considering was an outline application, such that anything before him is no more than indicative, as indeed is the one we are dealing with today. So it's, to me, it's, what does that mean? Because the layout can change. Are we therefore, is the real factor, only that of urban density. And I think Mrs. Denmark reports, uh, her report at paragraphs 10, 26 and 27 concludes that it is. And I certainly share that, that view. So the question is, to me, twofold. Is, is there a principle against development on this site? Again, the inspector didn't refer to the conservation area that I can recall anyway. So it's a question of, to my mind, what density of development 
If there isn't a principle against development, what density of development and form and style and layout and whatnot would be acceptable? And eventually, we'll get to that. And I don't know what it is. It may well be that this proposal, which at 30 is 55% the density of the previous one, is acceptable. And I'll be led by officers and perhaps local people as to the extent to which a development of that density uh, sits comfortably within the context of Felstead. And if it does, I'd be happy to um, go with approval for this. If not, then no. But I, I'm not convinced that there's a principle against the development of this site. Thank you, Chair. Councillor Bagnall. Sorry, we're sharing mics. Um, there's a, it's difficult, this one, because what I'm hearing is that Felstead have a, a neighbourhood planning group and they've, they've identified two sites for 63 homes. So one of the questions I have is, well, how many of those are affordable, the right sort of homes? I'm assuming they're in the right sort of locations, otherwise they wouldn't put them forward. So, so I'm, I'm really struggling to understand why we wouldn't want to go with the neighbourhood plan that's identified two sites for a total of 63 houses uh, as opposed to this one. So, and I do appreciate that it's not been through the full process. So there ought to be a point at which we support the neighbourhood plan process. So I'm struggling with that one. Um, but I wanted to make the point that the members might have missed this morning when we had the site visit, which was that I followed the bus because I'd met the members there. Uh, and... I let the bus go forward a little way and the the proposed access I can tell you now if you're turning right going towards the site with it being on your right hand side you get no more than 50 meters visibility of traffic coming the other way because of the bend uh, we had a bit of debate about the access and they said Essex haven't assessed the existing access they've only assessed the proposed access um, I have to say that I don't think that access is acceptable. I think it's a dangerous access and I think it, they need to reassess. So I think Essex should come out and assess that properly because I don't understand how they can deem it as um, an acceptable access when you can only see 50 metres in front of you to turn right with traffic that is coming from a faster direction. So I'm, I'm a bit amazed that Essex have seen that as acceptable. Um, so for me, it's about... And I've heard lots of conflicting views about what the inspector said and what the inspector didn't say from the various uh, sessions they've had. But I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to go with two developments of 63 houses in a neighbourhood plan as opposed to this one. I, I, just don't, I just don't get it. So I, I, I'd like to think we'd support our neighbourhood plans. Councillor Gerard. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, uh, both Councillor Storer and Councillor Bagnall probably feel it is a... I also think this is a bit of a tricky one. Um, I fully support neighbourhood plans. Obviously, I'm on the Newport Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, and I believe in that principle. Um, it is unfortunate that we are on the final day today of that consultation, and it wasn't yesterday. Uh, but today is still 
the final day of the consultation. It's unfortunate, but that's where it is. Um, however, the NPPF does give us, as the decision maker, decision taker, I should say, um, certain powers, certain tools to consider uh, policies within emerging plans, like the neighbourhood plan, such as it does in emerging local plan. Um, and I believe that both Mr. Ram and Mr. Freeman have done a... I've, re I've read the plan. I think it's a, it's, it's a good plan. They've done a great job. Now, they have two sites on, in, their, in, their, in the neighbourhood plan, um, one for 24, one for 39, total of 63. My understanding is that the one for 39, which is to the west of this application site, um, includes a, a doctor's surgery, and the one for 24, which is to the northeast of this site, uh, called Sunnybrook Farm, includes school parking and drop-off, uh, both of which I think um, are excellent. Now, there's 63 houses there in a neighbourhood plan that has been put together by the community, which essentially is going through process, and obviously it has to go through process, process and referendum, and it has to pass referendum. But I, I think that as a, as a committee, as a, as a planning authority, um, I, I think we should be support, supporting, like the government wants to be, seems to be, tries to be, supporting local communities and local plan making and neighbourhood plans in general. Um, I'm of the opinion... That, Councillor Bagnall, I think we should be supporting these two other sites, totaling 63. If we were to potentially grant consent on this 30, the argument from uh, Felsted uh, Steering Group, Neighbour Plan Steering Group, is that potentially it might undermine the um, referendum and some of the residents might not vote for it because they might get upset. I'm not sure that's a strong argument, but in general, I'd like to support the neighbourhood plan process, if possible. However, on the face of it, bearing, this obviously is a reduction in the site that was uh, rejected, um, um, put forward last time. I t also have a concern about the access. Uh, I don't believe that the, 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 that, that uh, map, lo location map there, accurately shows the, the reality of the bends that we saw this morning. Certainly... When I stood on the site this morning, the bend to the northeast is considerably greater than that you see there. In fact, I think we saw a triple bend. It's one, two, three. Now, again, I don't know how Essex didn't pick it up. I don't know how they haven't objected, either at 55 or at 30. Again, I would question the... Um, I would question their, um, their, their non-negative comment on this. Um, so I'm finding myself in a bit of a tricky situation because actually th I think this is quite a tricky one. And I, I can see reasons, I can see that this tilted balance is much more finely balanced than the previous one that we had and many others that we've looked at. So I'm going to reserve my judgment for the moment until other people have a chance to speak. But there are, there are issues here which are for and against. Obviously 30 houses is a positive for our numbers. Um, but bearing in mind that the, uh, the, uh, the 63 in the neighbourhood plan, bearing in mind the potential access issues, I'm not so sure. I'll, I'll reserve my, my judgment, please. Sutton, um, Mr Brown wants to say something about Can the I just say, plans. before we carry on, about the neighbourhood plan, the neighbourhood plan obviously has an emerging weight. 
I let Councillor Gerard continue talking about the, the ones in the allocation because one of those is likely to be coming to a committee near you quite clear, quite soon. Um, so, but you will reserve your judgment and, you, and you obviously you will look at that on his merits when it comes in. I should also add that they, picking up Mr Tedder's comments, that those sites have not got affordable housing on them. And so, you know, that is part of the neighbourhood. And, I, and I, as I was quoted in the discussion, it is a good neighbourhood plan. Um, but I think that's one of the issues, is the lack of affordable housing provision within it. Um, so this one has affordable housing on it and it's, it's fully compliant. So that is quite, that, that's quite a, an important issue. Um, but the neighbourhood plan does have merits. Now, and although the consultation period expires today, there are consultations and there could be consultations related to that affordable housing, just as an example. Uh, or they could be on those ones. But um, that, that is where we are. That's all I'm going to say at this stage on that particular issue. Councillor Sutton. Hello. Um, I was going to say, obviously, the affordable housing is an issue. I don't know if that can be changed in the, in the plan that they, that, you know, as it comes along. But, uh, and I do agree with both um, Councillor Gerard and Bagnall, who um, are anxious about the accessibility of that particular site. But I do think that there comes a time when we should be working closely with our parish councils and I think they know their areas better than us so you know to me I feel we really do need to put our trust a bit more in our parish councils obviously the issue with regard to um, affordable housing has to be looked at but uh, I think we need to bear that in mind as well before we make any decision thanks thank you councillor Kate councillor Catton thank you I'm mean, just going to ask N Nigel, I mean, can we even consider the other two uh, applications or, or the sites which are in the neighbourhood plan? Surely we should be looking at this in isolation. We cannot really be hypothesising mm. about other sites that might come on board. And the second question is, I, I know the councillor Gerard mentioned that there was a... Uh, uh, GP surgery mentioned in one of the, the, the sites, but we've just heard from in Takeley that the um, clinical commissioning group in the NHS are not allowing kind of uh, uh, new surgery. So uh, I'm slightly confused about what, what facts I can take into account. The, the neighbourhood plan issue, we do need to be, we, that does need to go in the background. We not need to be considering the sites because one of those will be coming to committee quite soon, we think, and that includes a surgery site. So that, 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 but you are here to consider that planning application in front of you today primarily with the backdrop of that you have an emerging neighbourhood plan and, and that's moving forward. Thank you. And, and it's just one... Yeah, that's... And the, the issue about the access issues, and I think when I'm on, um, the plan that's shown, that was shown is correct in terms of what you get. I think when we, when we walk around the side, you, there were bends when you go out, but I think we walked round, we emerged from down from Karen Tales of where we walked. We walked... Sorry, guys, yeah.
This is showing 91 metres visibility to the east and 101 metres visibility to the west. And that was the same access that the inspector considered last time. So, and you know, I mean, so as part of what was quite, and Councillor Storer went through in detail the appeal decision, access wasn't part of that consideration. He didn't conclude that there was any issues regarding access. So it's quite dangerous to go back to that. Sorry, I just wanted to cover on that point. I know Alan's next. Um, I think it's really important that you take this from the view of the motorist, not the pedestrian. So I think Essex have assessed the access based on motorists, not pedestrians. Uh, and I can tell you, as a motorist, 50 metres is your limit. So I'd, I'd, I'd be really concerned about allowing this, given the concerns on the access, because I don't think that access has been assessed properly. With all due respect, you didn't drive out of an access at that point, and it is showing 91 metres and 101 metres. I can only tell you based on of experience the, of having of driven it. Of the, it is from the view of the motorist. You didn't drive out of an access point at that point because there isn't one at the moment. Now, the point I'm making is I was following the bus, and for me to turn right into that site, I could not see more than 50 metres in front of me to see if the way was clear. And if, that, if there's vehicles speeding at 40, 50 miles an hour, that gives, that gives me concern. So I'm talking about the point at which I'm turning right into that site and I couldn't see more than 50 metres. So that, that's the point I'm making. I'm, I'm concerned that the access has not been assessed properly. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I too am fully supportive of uh, neighbourhood planning. I totally understand the points that have been made about the neighbourhood plan and understand what must surely be the complete frustration of residents if something like this happens which is at odds with the plan that's being prepared. So if the neighbourhood plan continues through its chartered course without any hiccups and if it's likely to be made within a reasonably short period of time I'd be more than happy to for this application to be deferred pending the neighbourhood plan being made so that it could then be determined and if the neighbourhood plan stumbles in the meantime then it would be another matter and come back to us if that is feasible. Thank you. I think off the top of my head, I think we're looking at January, February time before we could even think about going to a referendum. I can see if I can find the information on here, but I think that's what we're looking at. Could we ask? Can we ask you what, what when you think to get to a referendum? Chair, in discussion, in discussion with UDC's officers in the last two or three days, January is the absolute outside date for a referendum. Uh, we are hoping to get the referendum before Christmas. Thank you. Warn members to defer a matter for something like that to happen is exactly the same situation as the local plan. The, um, we've had, we had this discussion on the previous two sites, on Maranello and Clifford Drive. Again, the, okay, the neighbourhood plan was at a different level. It was, a, it was an important level, but it was another big step that it needed to go over, and it's gone that. 
Um, we've had those two appeal decisions in that time. I'm, you know, the, 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 the applicant, quite rightly, would appeal against non-determination if it was deferred for that reason, and we'll have a decision before Christmas. Because these ones, if you go down the written rep route, they're quicker decisions. And we would have a decision before, yeah. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, can I just draw everyone's attention back to this map, um, which I've just been studying? Um, do we, Mr. Brown, do we not have another Newport situation here, a potential cumulative impact situation? Because I've been running the numbers here, and if we look at what's been approved or under construction, working from the top right, working down, the 25 uh, Clifford Drive, the 30 Clifford Drive, uh, Clifford Smith Drive, the 28 Marinello, the 9 on the Chelmsford Road, the 8 on Stevens Lane, the 22 on Hartford End Brewery. Uh, it's a total of 122 uh, approved or under construction. Um, I believe that there are a few other sort of small windfalls. There's a Causeway End 5, there's Willows at Green 5. Total, if you, it's 132. Um, and there are some current outstanding applications on the Chelmsford Road 23. Obviously, there's this one here, which is 30. We'll take out the equation for the moment. But you've got another 23. So there's 100 and, 155 homes there which are approved or under construction or outstanding applications. But 122, for sure, approved or under construction. Now, we've learned in Newport what happens when you ignore these types of things on particularly on infrastructure, particularly on a village like this. Now, could I suggest that one way forward is to, there might be scope for Felsted Parish Council or through its steering group to do what Newport Parish Council has recently done, and that is to um, request a transport study to consider the cumulative impact of these applications on its neighbourhood plan and on its environment, which itself, I think, is something that we as a committee should possibly consider a reason for deferment. The answer to your question is no. I don't think this is a similar situation to Newport. It's a, it's a different situation. It's a different village. It is a village under attack from residential development, but it is not an issue in terms of cumulative impact. Some sites have been, and I should also add that significant sites have been allowed on appeal. Okay, they were ones that were recommended for approval, but they were allowed on appeal. And, and, and I think this is, this is a particular one. This one has an appeal history um, whereby you have an inspector's decision which you can look at and see whether or not this has addressed that particular point. I think members need to make a decision, to be quite frank, rather than deferring it. And, and I think, you know, but it's, it's quite clear. And I think where Councillor Stora started, it starts with the appeal decision. We're still on the tilted balance. We're a little bit further on. We have an appeal decision that informs us, and it's take it from there. I wouldn't defer it in terms of the neighbourhood plan. The neighbourhood plan will carry on, um, and hopefully we'll work it, because it is a good plan. Um, I'd just like to say something. Um, Councillor Catton, the surgery is actually, there is actually a surgery in Felsted at the moment, and what it, it, but it can't expand. It's an older building that has Felsted School behind it, so it can't go anywhere. So that's why they were, it is a surgery. They're just needing new premises. So that's why. Um, I think the impact on the roads would actually be possibly into the centre part of the, of the village, um, and that gets really crowded. You know, the school, the school wasn't there just now. The school, and during the day with the school, it's incredibly difficult. The road is just, it's crowded, it's, it's mobbed. Um, 
so there is an impact, and I think a transport survey would actually be a study. A transport study would be a good idea. Um, it is an. I disagree with Nigel. It is a cumulative impact just because it's spread out. It, it is impacting on the village and the greens. There is housing going up everywhere in Felsted. Um, it's not like Newport because it's, ov it's very obvious in Newport. But um, the impact it's going to have the, the, the two appeals on Marine Marinello, Marinello and Clifford Smith Drive are um, that will change the Braintree Road completely down that area and then just to come down. So there is a... The, I, I know Councillor Evans and myself really do feel there is cumulative impact on Felsted. Um, you know, yes, I hear what Councillor Storr is saying, but um, I think, you know, sorry, that's why the, the cumulative impact, I think, is a big thing within, the, within Felsted. Um, it's Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, lots of our villages are under attack at the moment. It's, it's a shame. Uh, you know, I represent Manudon. At school times, you just can't get through. It's a nightmare. Um, so I think it's not unique to Felsted. It is all of our villages, which hopefully we can do something about. But uh, I'm, I'm going back to affordable housing. I don't want to labour this point. But will we be getting the local plan? Will it go before the committee? Because I think they do, don't they, before they're ratified. So my concern is, because we have a policy of 40% housing, I always have, why is there no affordable housing in the local plan? And there is... And then, sorry, the neighbourhood plan, beg your pardon, not the local plan, what am I talking about? The neighbourhood plan, I'm just wondering why there is no affordable there, and there's 40% here. Um, perhaps somebody could explain why they weren't included, as it's our policy. We're not, we're not there with the neighbourhood plan yet, that's the issue. Uh, and so therefore that, there, there's a consultation going on regarding the neighbourhood plan and the affordable housing issue will be picked up in that. It's not for this committee to ratify or not ratify the neighbourhood plan because we're not there yet. And so, so it's not for us to, to discuss that. But it has to be aligned with the district local plan, both the existing and the emerging one, which is very committed to, to affordable housing moving forward. Unless... There's something specific within the neighbourhood plan in terms of evidence that they demonstrate they don't need affordable housing. I would concur with, Count, with Nigel Tedder's comments on that particular issue. I can't see how any part of the council can demonstrate there is not a need for affordable housing anywhere in the district. But well, that's, that's why I wanted that, that's, to, that's, that's that to be I'm clarified saying, I, I don't here. want to dis dismiss the, affordable, the neighbourhood plan on that basis, but uh, that answering your question on that particular issue. But back to this application, it's it's policy compliant in 40% affordable housing provision. Well, that's why I wanted you to clarify, and you've done that very well. Thank you. So, you know, I'm, have, I'm looking at this on its merits, every application on its merits, as you know. So that, I just wanted to know why, why that happened. Councillor, was it Councillor Storer? Was that somebody wrong? No? Am I wrong? Sorry, I got... Okay. Councillor Pavitt. Thank you, Chair. Um, as a council, we encourage principal settlements to produce neighbourhood plans which take time and take energy and money. Um, I think it's foolish to then presume it doesn't exist. You know, we have, to, we have to back the judgment of the people in the community who understand what they're doing as a first base. And since they seem to be reasonably well progressed with their plan, my view would be to, um, would be ref to refuse this. 
Um, if, for example, if for some reason the neighbourhood plan falls, um, then presumably, and Nigel will answer this, um, the applicant can bring their plan, their proposal back forward again. I would suggest the, app, uh, the applicant will appeal whilst he's waiting for the inspector to, whilst that, the appeal will be determined in that place. He won't have to bring it back. He could, I mean, if, if it goes to appeal and the inspector takes a decision in terms of dismissing it because of the, the status of the neighbourhood plan, um, then he has, then has the option to bring it back. But in my opinion, the next stage will be the appeal rather than a resubmission of the application. Hmm. And at the moment, and it's really, this has always been a very difficult discussion we're talking about neighbourhood plans because there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of quality coming out of them, and we are not dismissing them. They do have a material weight in terms of the discussion around this table. But they only have a restricted weight because at the moment they haven't been through the consultation, the responses to the consultations and the referendum. I think it's the responses to the consultations is, is the critical bit. And it's not about the consultation period ends today, so therefore suddenly tomorrow it's got bigger weight. It means because we do need to consider the consultation responses. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Chair. Um, I've got a couple of questions before trying to make my own uh, deliberation here. And the, the first one is, the first time round, it's to do with uh, density. We're told that it's a low density. The first time round, was the layout of the upper part of the field similar to it now? There it is. Okay, so the bottom part was already uh, empty. In the, okay, thank you. That's, uh, that's clear. Um, so the new density figures are, are they're real then not because there's empty space okay uh, thank you uh, uh, the second question is, is I, I'm a bit worried about the, the empty bit uh, as, a, as an opportunity to um, fill it up later and to make sure that we've got there would be protections in place to ensure that it can be secured for community benefit under the section 106 um, and um, and at the moment we're seeing that as open space and wishing to secure that in the section 106 on page 101 um, and obviously if any proposals were to come forward at a later date for that bottom land they would have to be considered on their merits at that time, depending on what the scheme was. But at the moment, we are looking to secure that section as open space. That's a, a, a clear answer. Uh, and my next question was going right back to the beginning. I believe it was uh, Councillor Evans uh, talked about um, uh, financial viability of the developer. My question is, is this relevant to this committee? No. Okay. It's absolutely irrelevant um, because, I mean, if, if it's not viable to deliver it, it won't, it won't happen. But that's absolutely irrelevant. And then uh, the, the last one, I think I've, I was going to ask, but it's again to do with the affordable housing element because that's something I am keen on. Uh, and uh, I think that's partly been answered, but maybe just for my information... In the neighbourhood plan, was there a survey backing up the fact that there's none now? Because I can imagine that if it's been determined that there's already sufficient for the local need, that that's, uh, that's been addressed. 
which is then part of an answer because it's distinct from just making uh, 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 affordable housing on the grounds that that's definitely um, needed. That was my question. My argument would be there would be the only village on earth that doesn't require affordable housing. And you cannot prove that. There, no village can actually so prove I'm there's just, no I'm, need for affordable I'm, I'm housing. I'm just struggling to find out. There, but, there must be some sort of logic there, and I don't know what yeah. the logic is. <laughs> Move back from a throwaway comment there. They, they would have carried out as part of the neighbourhood plan some study, but I, I really cannot imagine that any village would have no requirement for affordable housing within it. There may not be any, there may not be any desire for it, but that's the difference between it. The issue is this is not for the determination of the neighbourhood plan. You, you asked that question, would there have been a study about the affordable housing? And there would have been a study about the affordable housing, yeah. and that would be part of the well, scrutiny the, of the... the... the specific reason for asking it, because I know I'm being warned not to do it, but I'm uh, sympathetic to the idea of supporting a neighbourhood plan as the basis of the decision on this one. And so I understand that, and on that grounds, I would, that, that was why I was wanting to know how the affordable housing was being treated now, but if, if I'm not allowed to consider I would that... Sorry, I would suggest if we go any further than that, you are using the neighbourhood plan as the development plan to determine the application, and we should not be scrutinising it any further. It has weight, it has raising weight, as it, and to interrogate it further would be give it more weight than it actually has, I'm afraid. Councillor De Vries. Sorry, just to... For my own personal benefit as well, just to clarify further on that, may I ask Roy Ram a question, please? Thank you. Um, just Sorry, reading. Can you ask it through the chair? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, reading the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan submission draft, um, there is a section 5.4.6 that says they identifying the needs of the future. Uh, through housing needs surveys. It was agreed that these would be carried out every three years. The last one was in May 2016, um, carried out by the Rural Community Council for Essex. I'm just curious if the three-year survey was carried out in May 2019. Chair, Chair it wasn't carried out uh, in May 2019 because we had moved further down the process. The intention would be to conduct another uh, another survey um, before referendum, um, but not, not this year. Sorry, intervene again on that. That's a fair question because um, housing needs surveys do have sell-by dates, and three years is usually the magic number. So therefore, but I appreciate what the neighbourhood plan is going to do because of the the struggles of getting it over the line. You could have done it last year, and it would have, you know you want it to be robust and up to date when you get there. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, I find myself going around circles a little bit here, um, and I am struggling to find my tilted balance at all here under the circumstances, and bearing in mind what we've discussed about the neighbourhood plan being so close and the possibility of there being a cumulative impact issue here. Um, could I propose... Uh, that we defer this application. Um, I know what Mr. Brown has said he would rather not, but as decision takers here, um, personally, I'm finding it difficult to make a decision either way, and I don't like to abstain on something that I don't believe is one way or the other. I think there is a case to defer here. Um, I believe that it would be the right thing to do with the backdrop of the neighbourhood plan 
all things considered, with the backdrop of cumulative impact, and that's my motion. That's extremely dangerous, I should suggest, because that could happen on a lot of the merging okay, neighbour plans going forward. Um, I'll take Councillor Kate, Catton, Dep Bagnall, and then Stora. Thank you. The thing is that I think we're all in a cleft stick here. I'm quite happy to propose approval uh, of this application. Mm -hmm. If I can find a seconder. I'll second that. Chairman, you've had a proposal for deferral first, so you do need to go through that process first. Do I have a seconder for Councillor Gerard's proposal? Switched it off again. Sorry, I will say that again. Thank you for telling me that. Um, we have had a proposal of deferment by Councillor proposed by Councillor Gerard, seconded by Councillor De Vries. Um, therefore, we'll take this matter and take it to vote. So all those in favour of that proposition for deferment, please vote in favour of deferment. Against. So, now we... We've got... We've recorded 11 votes, uh, and I believe there are 12 of you. Do we have one abstention? Did you count the chairman? Did you? If you could please keep your hands up long enough for me to be able to see you clearly. I know, it's, I know it sounds like school, but if you could keep your hands up long enough for me to see you clearly, I really would appreciate it. Those in favour of deferral, please. One, two, three, four, five... Those against deferral, please. One, two, three, four, five, six. Was it five, six? You, you've not voted. I did. She did vote. Oh, hang on. We have, a, no. we have a six and six, and we now have a casting vote. Oh, oh thanks very much. Um... I think we, we defer. We defer. Or for deferment. I vote to defer. Yeah. So, so, to be planning by appeal. So let's just run 
That's absolutely. You were better refusing it. Right. Sorry. I, sorry. I didn't put the hand in. All right. Okay. All right. I'm just checking it. Are we not going to give ourselves an action as a result of that? Because we talked about the cumulative impact and a highways assessment or no, something. You do we you not do that? It. You just deferred it with no reason whatsoever. There's no actions. Um, the decision, we've been completely unreasonable to the applicant and he will go for costs because that's completely ridiculous decision. If you wanted to defer it for a reason, well, that's that would have I been a different... You didn't, defer it. you didn't defer it for a reason. Because there's no discussion. The proposer just said defer it. Well, yeah, I think we did but, get reasons, and I think we probably needed... In that case, we needed better guidance at the time the to make sure we gave a reason. The decision to defer it, the only thing I picked up from that deferral was to wait for the neighbourhood plan to be no. sorted out. No, 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 that's no, not fair. That's all, no, that is fair. That is exactly what was it was deferred for. There was no actions to carry out a cumulative impact that was mentioned. Um, we do, I do not know what I need to be doing here, but the decision was to wait until the neighbourhood plan, which... No, I don't think so. Well, I, I think, think well, and uh, with respect, members have just voted on something and are now asking what they've just voted on, which really quite. No, no. I think members members know what they've voted on. Uh, I think it was mentioned that with the cumulative impact, uh, a highways assessment should be sought, and therefore we would defer for that reason. That was called out at the time, so I think that should that that should have been part of the vote to go for that highways assessment. It doesn't matter at the end of the appeal against non-determination. And so we're going to have to bring the matter back for members to make a decision on what we would have made as a decision anyway. Uh, but it's, we're now continuing with the appeal of decisions and planning by appeal. And that is the result of what's been happening in Felsted. for outside here. So, um, next Anyone morning... got any gin? <laughs> <laughs> Agenda item three. <sighs> oh, I think we'll just go for water and just go straight for it. Okay. UTT 19 0293 full application land north of Chickney Road at Henham. Thank you, Madam Chairman. The map is, of course, um, part of your agenda. Here is a map up on the screen showing um, a slightly smaller scale, showing slightly closer to. Uh, Maitland Close is to the west. Blossom Place is on the far side of the road, the opposite side of the road to the south. There is a vehicular track to the east, um, visible uh, on the slide up on the screen. The uh, vehicular track leads to uh, the rear of the rugby club and effectively the, uh, a public footpath runs along this vehicular track. I, uh, those of you who were at the site visit, it was the last site visit of them all, um, saw the concrete finger post. Um, and... Uh, 
really, it is the self-contained, to some extent, the fairly self-contained nature of this site, together with affordable housing, which, uh, in essence, in essence, have led uh, um, officers to come to the recommendation of approval. So, moving on, you can see from the aerial photograph that, uh, well, two things really. The the site itself, um, in the middle there, compared to the large agricultural fields um, to the right-hand side and the left-hand side as you look at that image, is relatively small. Um, this shows how the site fits into, it, fits into its surroundings. Uh, it's a parcel of land smaller than the agricultural fields nearby. I'd also like to draw your attention in this photograph to the line of trees at the back, at the bottom of the photograph in this slide. And it is felt that the track um, to the left there is a fairly distinct boundary. Hopefully that comes across in this aerial photograph as well. I think what this shows well is that the tree belts to the rear of the site to some extent contain the site and that the former paddock um, there was a cereal crop being overgrown by weeds when we looked at it it was at one time a paddock uh, is not of the same scale as the agricultural fields to the north and to the east shown on this aerial photograph so the proposal is for 16 houses Four of those 16 would be uh, affordable dwellings. The slide up on the screen now shows uh, a typical example of what these houses would look like. Um, this particular slide is pretty much of the entrance. So it, it, it's more or less what you would see from the road. But the, the style of all the dwellings is... Um, hopefully you'll see from the... Uh, street scene drawings uh, in the middle and at the bottom of the screen that uh, its Essex design guide officers feel that the, um, the design is uh, to a good standard. This shows the layout of the site. Um, if you're wondering about the different colours on the... Uh, on the screen there, the, um, the blue properties there are that colour to delineate that they are uh, the affordable housing for affordable rent. The orange um, coloured properties are uh, two two-bedroom semi-detached houses uh, for shared ownership. Um, the other affordable housing dwellings would be two one-bedroom maisonettes for affordable rent and uh, two two-bedroom semi-detached houses for share own, shared ownership. 40% um, affordable housing, six affordable homes um, meets the requirements of policy. The affordable, as you'll see, the affordable housing units will be at the rear of the site uh, I'm given to understand that because of the size of the site, the, the site would be built by means of the road being put in first 
and then the houses at the back being put in um, first and then working to the front. But in any case, if you were to approve this, there would be a Section 106 agreement. This, before moving on from this plan, it does show the landscaping, which would, uh, for the most part, go by the, uh, the Victor Access, the, where the footpath runs to the east, um, and by the, uh, by the Victor Access, by the road. I'll just move on to that. Hopefully that shows that in a, in a little more detail. There would be... Uh, a tree retained at the front of the site together with uh, a native mix hedge, although that hedge would be set slightly further back than the existing hedge. A native mix hedge to the eastern side uh, along the rear boundaries of the gardens over to the east of the site. And then a wooded belt um, leading up to the Vickler track. So... Uh, a fair amount of landscaping over on the eastern side of the site. And finally, a, a photograph taken from the vehicular track, which um, I hope illustrates that, uh, to some extent, this proposal would finish off um, new, new building. That is certainly the point put forward by the applicants. Um, it is felt that uh, the argument that the design would close off um, the view seen from the vehicular track has some merit. So, uh, Madam Chairman, in conclusion, this is a felt by officers to be a relatively enclosed site would visually terminate development at this eastern end of Henham and affordable housing provision would meet policy. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you very much, Mr. Doe. We have two speakers, um, Mr. Bruce Bamber and Mr. Simon Lee. We'll take Mr. Bamber first. Thank you, Madam Chair. Deja vu. Now, the, uh, the site has a very poor level of sustainable access, the shop being one kilometre away, the primary school being almost a mile away, and the nearest bus stop being 665 metres away. For secondary school children, the nearest bus stop is 1.1 kilometres away. Anyone attempting to walk to bus stops or local facilities has to negotiate a 270-metre section of Chickney Road that has no footpaths and is unlit. Verges are either narrow or absent. The applicant proposes to provide a 50-metre section of footway of substandard width just to the west of the site. However, this section of footway does not even link to the footway emerging from the site and pedestrians would be required to walk in the carriageway close to the bend where they would be unseen by drivers approaching the village. No footway is proposed along the most constrained section of Chickney Road where it is impossible for pedestrians to move out the way of two light vehicles passing each other. 
The proposed signage, changes in white lining and picket fence feature will not resolve the fundamental safety issues for pedestrians. Although the applicant might argue that new houses have been built recently along Chickney Road, it remains a fact that the site is located further from the shop and school than any other part of the village. Moreover, traffic generated by the proposed development will increase the hazard for pedestrians who are currently forced to walk in the carriageway. The narrow winding and unlit roads around the site do not encourage any significant level of cycling. Bus stops are 265 metres further than the maximum required by Essex standards and buses run only hourly. They stop in the early evening and provide no service to Bishop Stortford between 8 and 10 in the morning. Essex Highways states, The remote location of the site is such that access to key local services and facilities, public transport, employment and leisure opportunities is limited And for the vast majority of journeys, the only practical option would be the car. This should be taken into consideration by the planning authority when assessing the overall sustainability and acceptability of this proposal. I concur with this view and consider the proposals contrary to the requirement for sustainable development as set out in paragraphs 103, 108 and 110 of the NPPF and also emerging local plan policies TA1 and TA2. From a safety perspective, the site is clearly contrary to local plan policy Gen 1, emerging local plan policies TA1 and TA2 and NPPF paragraphs 108, 109 and 110. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Bamba. And um, Mr. Simon Lee. Good afternoon, all, and thank you for an opportunity to speak. Uh, I'm Simon Lee, a Henham Parish Councillor and resident. You've all had an opportunity to read the detailed reports from our planning advisor and the many residents' objections, and hopefully, having now visited the site, it puts our objections into context. May I state that Henham is supportive of sympathetic sustainable development, in fact taking in excess of 15% increase in homes in the last four years, including a development of 22 homes incorporating social housing, which was uh, promoted by the parish on parish land itself. This application is not sympathetic nor sustainable. In fact, it can be considered as development creep outside of the development limits. I would just like to highlight a couple of points in our submissions. The 2018 Schla rejected the site as unsuitable for development. The local plan currently before the inspector for examination confirms that the site is outside the development limits and not allocated for development. This is an important consideration as this version of the local plan holds material weight. ALP policy H3 also restricts development to be within development limits but any windfall site outside, which this could be considered, must meet six criteria of the policy. And the application fails on many of those. And I'll just list what those uh, policy details are. The site comprises previously developed land. Fail. The site has uh, reasonable accessibility to jobs, shops and services by other modes of transport other than the car or has a potential for improving such accessibility. Fail. Existing infrastructure, 
has the capacity to absorb further development or there is a potential in, in, for its capacity to be increased if necessary. Fail. Development would support local services and facilities. Debatable. The site is not a key employment site. Correct. Avoid development uh, makes, which makes inefficient use of land. Okay. Accept that point. Furthermore, there would be adverse impacts on the character and use of, a, of the protected lane and the public footpath which adjoins the site, contrary to ALP policy ENV9, ELP policy C1, and NPPF paragraphs 98, 128, 129, and 135. No account has been taken in, uh, to any of these points within the submitted materials for your consideration. Thank you for listening. I hope you will support our objection and refuse this application. Thank you very much. I'll open it up to the committee. Who's, who's going first? Councillor Gerard. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, <clears throat> for once, I agree with... You, you're not registered to speak, I'm sorry. No. It's, your it's your discretion, Chairman, whether you want to allow that. Um, one of you. One of you may... So, 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 so it's going to be one of you to speak? One of you. Yeah. Yes, okay. One of you may speak. Yeah. Can, can we have your name? Thank you, Chair. So, I've got the three minutes, or...? Um, yes, <laughs> you have. Can we have your name? Yes, yeah, sorry. So, my name is Andy Butcher. I'm a planning consultant with Stratton Parker, and I'm acting on behalf of Stonebond Properties. So, I'm speaking for the uh, applicant this afternoon. Uh, first of all, thank you for letting me speak. As I say, we did register our interest, so I'm sorry if there's some, some confusion there, but uh, we did register that, inter that interest. Um, just to uh, set, set out a little bit of a context for, for what we're proposing here, uh, Stonebomb Properties are a developer that uh, uh, I'm sure is known to some of you in the district. They are doing developments in Stebbing and uh, Takeley. These are small developments, high-quality developments, and hopefully they will be very successful developments. Uh, clearly, in taking forward this application, uh, we, we were more than aware of the objections that have been raised, and clearly you've heard from the Parish Council and Mr Roughton tonight, uh, this afternoon, on behalf of the Parish Council. Uh, what I'd say to you is that your officer's report has set out a considered response to the, the vast majority of matters that have been raised, uh, and it's not really uh, going to be helpful for you to, for me to, to rehearse those points. However, I think it's important that we do just uh, think about the, the principal planning considerations in this case. And to a degree, I'm touching on issues that you've already uh, mentioned this afternoon in, in debates on other applications. Uh, you, you are in, of course, a difficult position insofar as you don't, do not have the required five-year housing land supply. Uh, we do acknowledge this site is outside the settlement boundary uh, for uh, Henham. Uh, in fact, uh, it's not just this site that's outside the settlement boundary, but you've got two other developments that have taken place in recent times, uh, sorry, three other developments that have taken place in recent times uh, within very close proximity to the site, uh, and these are known as Field View, field, field view Close, uh, Maitland Close, 
and Blossom Hill. And those are developments that have come forward in the last three years, and these are on sites that are outside the current settlement boundary. So then if we actually look at the planning policy background, and again, uh, it's quite interesting that, again, uh, you've touched on some of these matters today, uh, there is a presumption in favour of sustainable development where there is no five-year supply, uh, and government advice is quite clear in saying that planning permission should be granted unless there are any adverse impacts of doing so which would demonstrably outweigh the benefits of the development. Your officer's report is quite clear. There's been no objections from consultees. It sets out the reasons why the proposals meet the requirements for sustainable development. They've made it quite clear that there are no adverse overriding impacts, which would suggest that planning permission be refused. Uh, and, for instance, one of the key issues involved in that would be landscaping. Uh, you've been shown the proposals for this site um, and our proposals for re to retain the existing landscape and, indeed, propose further woodland planting. Uh, you've heard from Mr. Railton uh, that the main criticism, as far as he's concerned, is that this is not a sustainable location in transport terms for this development. This has to be seen in the context of what I just mentioned to you, which is three other developments in very, very close proximity to the site. These were granted planning permission within the last couple of years. There's been no real material change in planning policy since those planning permissions have been granted. And this scheme very much reflects those principles. And indeed, there's a couple of things that I'm going to turn to in just a moment, which actually suggest that this is a, a good scheme. The local plan identifies Henham as a Taipei settlement. It is suitable for a scale of new development and reinforces its role as a local centre. That is what the local plan says. And, and indeed, again, this is reflected in the recent developments that have been granted. I think the key things that I want to bring to your attention, really, to this afternoon, uh, members, is the benefits that are, arise out of the development. Bear in mind that this is a relatively modest proposal of 16 homes. It provides several benefits for the village, and these would not otherwise occur unless you were to grant planning permission. The first of these, of course, is the provision of six affordable homes. Those affordable homes have met the requirements of the Council's housing officer, and your report makes it quite clear that the delivery of affordable homes is a corporate uh, priority for the Council. We have set out proposals for safer conditions for pedestrians along Chickney Road. <clears throat> Your officers unfortunately didn't present the slide that shows how that's intended. I don't know whether that's available to you. But we are suggesting ways to improve footpath connectivity to the centre of the village, which clearly doesn't exist at the moment and wouldn't happen unless this development were to be, were to be granted planning permission. Not only that, we are suggesting uh, improvements to I am reduce, going to have to ask you reduce to the speed of traffic to, to conclude. Thank you. Sorry, we're, we're suggesting that we will assist in reducing the speed limit coming along Chickney Road to 30 miles per hour, okay? which is not the case at the moment within proximity to this development. Thanks, Chair. Um, just very quickly, I, I will just uh, finish by saying that the benefits that we've suggested, uh, we have, have indicated we're happy to deal with that by means of a legal agreement and all conditions of the Planning Commission. So just picking up on a theme that was raised earlier, uh, we would say it's a good and proper application. It's supported by the technical evidence to suggest this scheme is right uh, for the village. It does deliver the affordable homes and, say, other benefits which hopefully uh, will be helpful to the Council. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now I will open it up to the committee and Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. I was going to say I'm surprised the applicant's not here to speak on his <laughs> own behalf, but um, he obviously the agent has done that. Um, 
second point I'd like to make is, um, for once, I am in agreement with Essex Highways. I think it's worth reminding ourselves that they are a statutory consultee and they have sort of objected. I think it looks like an objection. The remote location of the site is such that access to key local services and facilities, public transport, employment and leisure opportunities is limited. And for the vast majority of journeys, the only practical option would be by car. This should be taken into consideration by a planning authority when assessing the overall sustainability and acceptability of the proposal. It reads to me as being somewhat of an objection, but let's park that for a moment, if you pardon the pun. Um, planning, we are here to look at sustainable development, and um, absolutely, 16 houses adds 16 houses to our numbers. Wonderful. And it adds six affordable houses to our numbers, which is also wonderful. So let's put that on the scale. Um, however, there are a few adverse impacts, um, and I look at the two pages in question, page 112, 113. If I look at the um, report summary by Gardner Planning, very simple points here. Um, the proposal, contrary to policy S3 of our adopted plan, it's, 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 it, which re re relates to other settlement boundaries. Um, it is uh, contrary to policy S7 of our plan, which is obviously it's outside development, it's in the countryside. Um, Chickney Lane is a protected lane, a heritage asset. This is important. Um, we know from uh, Mr. Bamber and Railton report that it is a considerable distance from local facilities. Now, whether or not anyone thinks it's important to get a pint of milk and a loaf of bread, if you're living in a house in that location, I suggest that you don't always want to get in a car and go to the supermarket. So I think it is important that access to the facilities, uh, amenities are, are there. And we saw no um, public footpath. We saw a plan that showed bits and pieces of a proposed footpath, but no, nothing contiguous, nothing that would take you from that location to uh, that, that, that part, uh, to, to, to those amenities. Um, it is obviously um, something that's referred to in, in the office report. I'd just like to make a comment that we, it, office report refers to Regulation 19. Obviously, we are now Regulation 22. We are no longer at Regulation 19, which is pre-submission. We are already in hearings. Therefore, th there is a little added weight to the emerging local plan, and I would consider that the fact that this, this uh, site is outside it's not included in the, in the emerging local plan, is a factor, it's a material consideration, and we are at Regulation 22, and that is important. Um, I believe that therefore, there is also um, a policy H3, um, our adopted policy H3, which I believe um, restricts the development uh, to, uh, regarding infilling um, within development limits uh, regarding windfall sites, and I believe there are six criteria uh, of the policy, and, but this application site fails at least four of those. Um, I could go on and on and on, but I think you get the drift. Um, I do believe that this is not a sustainable development, even though there are some benefits to us. I do believe that the adverse effects substantially and demonstrably outweigh the benefits, and I think it's a quite a clear case of it not being sustainable. I'll wait to hear what other people have to say, but I'm inclined to refuse this application. Councillor Lachlan. Go to Wonky. What not? <laughs> We've all got 
wonky whatnot. You can't have a wonky whatnot, dear. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Sorry. I've <laughs> got the giggles now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's a bit of selectivity here because um, Mr. Bamber, I believe it is, and Councillor Gerard, bless them, uh, and the highways... It, it does say on 9.3 um, about assessing the overall sustainability, but everybody has conveniently left out paragraph 9.4 and 9.5, uh, and I won't read it all, but some of it says, the developer will be served with an appropriate notice within six weeks of building development. Uh, oh, hang on, I'm lost. Building regulations approval being granted and prior to the commencement of any development must provide guaranteed deposits which will ensure that the new street is constructed in accordance with acceptable specification sufficient to ensure future maintenance of a public highway. The next one says... From a highway and transportation perspective, the impact of the proposal is acceptable to the highway authority subject to measures to address creation of a vehicular access to acceptable details, uh, provision of construction management plan, implementation of parking and turning areas, provision of bicycle parking, and no unbound material within six months six metres of the boundary. So they are actually saying, yeah, okay, Henham is not a sustainable village. The whole village is not just this site. The whole village is unsustainable because it doesn't really have anything there but a primary school, as we all know, because we've made many site visits there. It has a shop that is run by volunteers, which is very laudable. Um, uh, yes, it has the pub, which has very nice food. I know that. Um, so it's not totally unsustainable. There is a bus. So I'm really struggling to find a reason to uh, refuse this, uh, although I can, see, I can see why people would feel that. Also, I do have a problem with the layout. And I, if Councillor Fairhurst was here, I'm sure he'd agree with me. Always, always, we put affordable housing on the periphery of a site, which means that they are isolated from the main group of houses, which I think is uh, actually an awful thing to do, because it's a bit of them and us, the rich and the poor. The, the, the richer get the nicer houses all in a little cluster, and the poor uh, affordable homes get put on the uh, periphery of the site, not to be seen by the others. And if you look at that, it is quite a distance uh, from the... Uh, the what would you call them? Can't, well, I'm not going to say nice homes. I'm oh, sure they're all nice. Sorry, from the upmarket, I'm being told. So I really, really have a problem with that. And I, I you know, if I were to refuse it, I would uh, refuse it on those grounds. But I don't think I could refuse it on highways grounds because I think if it went to appeal, the inspector would look at that and say. No, highways don't have a problem, so I could not refuse it on that. So I'm just sort of sitting on the fence at the moment until anybody else has something to say. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. Members, for those of you who were present at our first meeting, you will recall that I offered what I hoped was seen as constructive criticism as to how the reports might be structured. I, I'm sure you're 
were riveted. I was talking about jigsaw pieces at the time. And indeed, I found it quite fascinating that Councillor Reeve latched on to the fact today. It's his first venture to this committee, and he was slightly critical, questioned the statement of the, the quality of the reports and that it didn't lead him through the process. And this is my concern, and I'm on the case with that. And this, this report, like so many others, is another example because it doesn't mention unless I've missed it, doesn't take us through the process uh, that focuses on what Councillor Gerard quite rightly pointed out as to why we're here, what we're dealing with, and that is sustainable development. Now, the framework focuses upon this. It features a presumption in favour of sustainable development. And it says this, you'll have heard it before, you're going to hear it again. For decision-taking, that's us, this means where there are no relevant development plan policies, but there are, Councillor Gerard has, has quoted quite a few of them, and they're, some of them, I won't say all of them, some of them are against the development, they're outside the settlement limits for starters, or the policies which are most important for determining the application are out of date, and ours are, by definition, there's a footnote which I won't bore you with, but we don't have a five-year land supply, we have nothing like one. So this kicks in. I said or, and it, mean, it states or, but it doesn't give us the choice. It says, yeah, we've got the policies, or we've got the policies, but in this case, because of the five-year land supply, this applies. What applies? This. Granting permission unless any adverse impacts of doing so would significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits. The benefits are 16 homes, 40% of which are affordable. And I have to tell you, I've heard nothing... I've heard arguments that there are um, adverse impacts... Not saying I agree with them, but I, am, I understand if people do have that view. But to my mind, even if you accept them, they are certainly not significant, certainly not demonstrable enough to outweigh those benefits, those albeit modest benefits of 16 houses. So our officers should be applying this tilted balance. We talk about it. It's what we are supposed to be doing. And in this instance... I think if we adhere to it, if we apply it, without too much difficulty, then the answer, what we should be doing, is very, very clear. Thank you, Chair. Councillor LeCount, sorry about missing you before. The rest comes last. I could concur with all the statements from Councillor Gerard, certainly from Simon Lee in his, his, um, his conversation, and I'm not going to go back all over those again because it would be daft. But what I will say is I know that road extremely well, and basically it's very dangerous. And really what you've got, you've got children that are going to walk along no path, and they're going to be walking along a main road. And that road is at 40 mile an hour. It was, two years ago, 60 and it took me two and a half years to put that buffer in the 40 
to the 30. And the chances for the developer to go back to highways and get it done again is going to be very difficult. I found it hard enough to get 40. So to get 30 is going to be almost impossible. So I would look for uh, a reason for refusing on the basis of safety. Now, you'll have to help me with that because I don't know what that would be. Mr. Gerard. So you want me to go back on that? Yes. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Because I, mean, I think the issue is about plugging a Gem 1 refusal reason on highway grounds where you've got no objection from the highway authority is dangerous. But the issue here is it's not about... So I'm not dissing issues about safety. It's about the sustainability. If the issue is about people using a footpath link, trying to use a footpath link to the village, and it not being a safe way of getting there, then then it's not sustainable. That's how you would look at it, rather than... So people... The lack of safety on the footpath would mean people just wouldn't use it. And so... so but I would always talk you away from Gen 1. If you go further into Gen 1, it says, yeah, the, the Gen 1C says, the design of the site must not be compromised road safety, must take in the needs of cyclists, pedestrians, public transport users, horse riders and people whose mobility is impaired. So... I would always talk you away from Gen 1 because we have, an office, we have the County Council not raising an objection. That will always be the problem that we will have. But that's overcomplicating it. I'd just like to ask a question, actually. Um, Council Account, you might actually be able to help me. It's, it's a narrow road there, isn't it? It's a narrow road. Um, if you're putting on a, a pavement... And it was, it, they said they were going to, the developers said they were going to put uh, some part of a sort of a pavement or walkway. It was going to be a narrow one. That's taking away from the road, if I'm right. So how, how does it widen at all, that road going down farther into the village? Because I was very confused, in, in actual fact, from the developer's point of view, is the size that the road gets narrow at that particular point in time and therefore, if you started to put a pavement in, you'd narrow the road even more. Well, that was what my... That's yeah, what my, my, hence my question, because it right, sort of correct. confused me that would... And I never saw anything, forgive me, on, on, the, on the plan of any, any pavements going across I that think, development. I think the footpath will go inside. It inside? Won't go, it won't go into the road. It's expanding the highway out, in, if you like, into the site, so you've got the footpath either side within the site. So you're not narrowing the road. Okay. You're, you're actually providing a footpath further out. Yeah, I can't really see that, but anyway, I'm looking at the app because just to nod whether that's the case. Yes, <laughs> Councillor Pavitt. Yeah, talking about that footpath, we were shown a little drawing this morning on the site. Does anybody have that with them? Because what what we were shown was about 50 metres of footpath going nowhere, mm. like a pointless expenditure. It just took people down to the next turning into the next set of houses which seemed entirely pointless expenditure. Madam Chairman, if I could um, respond to that. There was an idea, um, there were various benefits offered, um, things like a village sign, improvements to the bus stop, um, and one of those things was uh, improving the footway into the centre of the village. The problem, as I saw it, and I, I think I'm right in saying that when the um, applicant's agent spoke, 
something was said along the lines of there was no reference to um, benefits in, in, in the form of uh, improvements to footways. Well, those footways would be outside the red line of the site. And there wasn't enough information to make them part of the Section 106 agreement. Um, essentially, that's, that's, um, that's it, basically. It, it was off the site. Granted, but the, the point I was trying to make is that they achieve nothing in terms of sustainability. They don't contribute to the ability to get into the community. They just go 50 metres and end. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. I'd like to second the Councillor uh, LeCount's um, motion to refuse. And I'd like to just explain a few reasons why, if I may just add. Um, you know, the location of the development needs to be sustainable in means of tra travel. And, and I want to just go through a few points here because the development should not compromise road safety for either vehicular traffic or pedestrians. Um, and I think that's quite clear in, 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 in terms of, of, of these um, su sustainability rules. Um, we know that the facilities in the village are limited. Um, we, the, there are no um, facilities. Um, it's not, it's not a, a particularly walkable neighbourhood, and that part of, of Chickney Road. Um, there are no footways on Chickney Road itself. Uh, we know for at least a distance of a 270 metres west of the site, there are no footways. It's a fact. There are proposals for bits and pieces, but as I said before, well, what does that achieve? And, uh, and uh, as Councillor Pavard quite explained, what's the point in having bits and pieces? Um, there are no street lighting on Chickney Road between the site and the centre of the village. Kind of important, you'd think, you know, when you want to get somewhere in the dark, even in a, at 4.30 in a winter's afternoon, perhaps. Um, perhaps parents with children or dogs or disabled people in wheelchairs, how do they get around without getting in a car? Um, and I don't think that in any remote... We, we can say that this development is sustainable if you take those things into account. Um, and I would suggest that, actually, I'd go one step further. I would actually say that uh, children walking along Chickney Road would be at risk, and I would actually say severe risk, um, in the presence of two vehicles passing by. Um, actually, severe risk with one vehicle passing by. At two vehicles passing by, I didn't even want to know. And Councillor LeCount, as the ward councillor, is quite right to be concerned about the welfare of his constituents, as am I. Um, there's no cycle accessibility. Uh, and there's it's well it, it, and, and it's, there's, there's no bus service basically um, which um, basically there is I think one but it's I think one per hour within quite a, a long distance and all those things considered plus the comment from Essex Highways which actually confirms that in terms of sustainability in terms of access to the facilities in the neighbourhood I can't see 
how this uh, application can be sustainable and therefore it cannot be accepted and must be refused. Thank you. Councillor Bagnall? Uh, yeah, I support that motion, but um, going back to the highways bit, uh, Mr Brown is saying that we can't cite Gen 1 because highways have uh, deemed it acceptable. But in 9.3, that is as close as you're going to get to an objection from highways as ever they'll give because they quite clearly call out that uh, we need to be very careful as a planning authority when assessing the overall sustainability and acceptability of this proposal. That you won't get much closer to them using the word objection than that. Um, so, uh, no, they do wrong. use... No, I'm going to come back on that. They yeah. do object. They actually say, we object to many applications. Well, I've seen most of, most um, of the ones I've seen. They don't say very Well, much, I can so. send my officers up and we could probably come down with 30 okay. current applications where they object. And I did not say you could not use Gem 1. I'm advising you that using Gem 1, and I also gave you an avenue where there was use of other sites. And can I also be clear that please do not continue just on Gen 1, because this, it's all about sustainability. You're mentioning sustainability. I'm trying to fast forward this, because we're going to be here till midnight on these particular issues. Um, you, we know where this is going. We but know what voting's going to do. It's important we get this right. It's important so we're here to get... do a, the role, and it's important that we get it right. And if we don't feel that access is appropriate and it's a Gen yeah. 1, then it's a Gen Yeah, one. but I think you did that about 45 minutes ago. Yeah, That's okay. what I'm trying to say. I mean, things are just dragging right, on thank this you. case. Right. Councillor Sutton. Hello. All I just wanted to say was the hub of the village is the village hall and everybody walks to that at some point and it's part of making, a village, you know, making the village work and you can't from there get to the village hall um, safely and people will have babies and go off to their various little things that are going on there. Too dangerous. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. I just want to just see if we can wrap this up in terms of policy. Mr Brown, could I suggest the following that uh, this is contrary to NPPF 103, 108, 110, uh, Gen 1, and emerging policies SP1, TA1, and TA2. Now, you cannot use emerging policies. That hasn't... And you can use S7. That's the other thing I was going to suggest. It's development in the countryside. Yes. That's, so that's why I'm just trying to keep it simple. Because <laughs> the complicated... Councillor Lachlan. Can I, can I just make a point? And this applies to my patch. Some people don't want their villages lit because they think it urbanises their villages. If you tell, I don't know how Henham feel about it, if you tell them that they're going to have streetlights all along Henham, wherever it may be, I think you'll find that many people might object to that. It's okay if you live like we do, like you live in Newport, I live in Stansted, but if you tell a country village that they've got to have streetlights, There'll be pandemonium. So I don't really think that that's necessarily a good reason to refuse. I think what he was saying was that it, 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 makes, it, it, it makes it less... Sorry, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. It makes it less likely that someone's going to walk into the village and much more likely to drive the car. And that was part... And Henham is one of those villages that is absolutely against streetlights, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
Councillor Lemon. <clears throat> uh, you know, I, I see all our arguments and all the arguments have gone, that have gone before. But I'd just like to really back up Councillor Caton's point. Um, we have turned down an awful lot of affordable housing today, and that quite upsets me, I'm afraid. But I do understand people's points, but we, we must give some thought to affordable housing. Thank you. Turning it off when I'm done. Okay, we have a proposal. Proposal by Councillor Gerard. Do I have a... Sorry, wrong way around. Proposal by Councillor LeCount and seconded by Councillor Gerard. So, to refuse. So, the matter... We're going to, the proposal is to refuse the matter and I will now take this proposal to a vote. Can I take your votes to to agree... I've got tongue-tied again. Here we go. I, I, I did so well with the first, first ones, didn't I? Um, to take a vote on refusal, refusal of this proposition. Therefore, the resolution is that the proposal has been agreed so that it has been refused. Thank you. Chair, is there any chance of a five-minute break? <laughs> Literally five minutes break. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, 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 your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. To nine full, the old cement works land uh, at the land behind. No, we're not on that one. Yes, he's had a meeting. Come on, councillor. He said he had something at 6.30. All right. And again. The land, the old cement works at the land behind Thaxted Road, Saffron Walden. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, this application relates to the old cement works on Thaxted Road just outside Saffron Walden. Um, planning permission was granted in 2003 for 60 lift work units, of which 28 have been built. These are blocks A and B at the front of the site. This shows block A and the site access. This um, photograph shows the rear of the blocks A and B. It also shows new development that's been erected towards the site, the site behind it. Um, as you can see, these new houses are on higher ground and are set well back from the application site. Revisions are now sought to blocks C, D and E, which are these behind the blocks A and B, to ensure compliance with the accessibility requirements of the building regulations introduced in 2015. This involves changes to the internal layout of each unit, which has also required some changes to the external elevations regarding the position of windows, doors, and there are minor changes to the external materials. Two of the units, numbers 32 and 33, have increased from two bedrooms to three bedrooms. Unit 34, which I mentioned in my report, also now has three usable bedrooms rather than having two bedrooms and a box room on the previous application. In all other aspects, the development remains the same. There will be no significant impact on those newly built properties which are on higher ground and away from the site. The proposed variations to the approved scheme accord with the development plan and the NPPF. Madam Chairman, it is therefore recommended that approval be granted subject to the recommended conditions of the report. Now, do we have a Mr Chris Reynolds to speak? No. Right, <laughs> might have done, but that we weren't sure if we had or not. So, straight, take this straight to the committee. Thank you. Are there any comments, Councillor Bagnall? Uh, quick question: What does this do for the affordable housing numbers? Is it improve it or reduce it? Doesn't Um, this development can be built at the moment as it was approved in 2003. It's not affected by any affordable housing at all. Sorry, what does that mean? It's not, there's no requirement for affordable housing on this site. There's no affordable housing on this site? There was affordable housing on the site. What the situation here is, this is fenestration and internal changes. Okay. So the answer to your question is there are no changes to no the affordable changes. housing product. Okay.
Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Uh, the changes you're talking about were basically internal ones or, or um, I'll trivialise them by saying superficial, which I know isn't the right word. Uh, why is it that we've got the conditions in here, if, which are some, well, they appear not to be to do with those changes? Um, when you have a change to the conditions, which are condition two, you also have to replicate all the original conditions on the previous application, which still stands, uh, unless any of those have been discharged already. Anyone else? If I can assist you, Councillor Reeve, that has been confirmed in a very recent decision of the Supreme Court. Anybody else? Could we, if nobody else has any comments, could we take this? Could I have a proposal and a seconder for this one, please? Councillor Pavitt? Proposed to accept. Thank you, Thank you very much, Councillor Lemon. Therefore, we have a proposer, 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 Councillor Pavitt, and a seconder, Councillor Lemon, to approve this matter. And I'd now like to take this proposal to vote. All those in favour to approve? Councillor Stora? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Unanimous. Unanimous. Thank you. So, UTT, moving on, UTT 190427, full. Hayden's House, Onslow Green, Barnston. Mr. Theobald, thank you. Thank you, Chair. This application seeks planning permission to change the use of the Ancilly Residential Annex to Hayden's House at this location in Onslow Green to a single two-bedroom dwelling to include rooms in the existing roof space utilising the existing vehicle access onto the B1008. The existing situation is where you have this uh, annex, uh, large annex building to Hayden's house with an ancillary building on the southeast boundary there which is currently being used for uh, ancillary storage purposes and as you can see, the uh, access breaks out onto the uh, B-classified road uh, on the right-hand side. Uh, this application proposes to, to say, convert the existing annex building without any uh, footprint or volume modifications, but with some fenestration changes. Sorry, so changes to the, um, uh, the, the, the building. Um, uh, the other change would be there would be a new pedestrian uh, link from the, uh, the left-hand side uh, of the annex, as you can see there, running parallel with the, the side of Hayden's main house to the corner um, of the, uh, the junction to Onslow Green. Uh, this shows the proposed elevations, as you can see, um, as I briefly explained this morning, um, a two-bedroomed um, annex uh, conversion to a dwelling. Uh, 
this just shows an overview of the uh, photos, as you can see. This is taken from uh, the corner of the junction to Onslow Green on the right-hand side, so you're looking straight down the B1008, uh, southwards towards uh, Ford End and Chelmsford, uh, with a turning left, which takes you into... Um, uh, Felsted, Felsted Village via Mill Lane. Uh, you can see there's a post box there on the corner and this photograph is in fact taken from a request bus stop uh, and there's one on the other side uh, and therefore, uh, in fact, that's my, my, my car uh, on the right-hand side and that's where the pedestrian access gate would come through uh, from the um, annex building. Uh, this is taken from the junction on that staggered junction on the left-hand side, and that's looking straight into the um, property. That is the, the access um, gates, which, according to the, uh, the applicant, um, I spoke with him yesterday on this, he uses it on a weekly basis uh, for his, um, his job and for, uh, to do with the connection with the ancillary building. Uh, as you can see, it is enclosed uh, entirely uh, to the road frontage and also uh, to the, um, the southern boundary in the, the background, and you've got the uh, similar situation to the frontage. This is looking uh, at the existing annex building. Um, as you can see, uh, it is rough ground, uh, there is a pond behind the, uh, the annex building and there is, at the moment, through connectivity uh, to Hayden's house, which is the, the donor dwelling where, where the applicant currently resides. And the final shot, this is looking from that corner, uh, from the, the link into the existing house, looking straight down onto the B1008, showing the, uh, the storage building the uh, annex building on the left-hand side with the gate, and it's used also for hard standing for parking. Um, there haven't been... Uh, uh, sorry, there, there's been a, a concerns expressed by the parish council in connection with access issues, um, whereby the proposed dwelling would come out of the existing access as modified onto the B1008. Um, now, uh, Essex County Council Highways have not objected to this application on highway safety grounds, given the fact there is a pre-existing access uh, there, which would just need to be modified in connection uh, with the proposal to technical standards. And indeed, uh, when this uh, proposal came um, to the council before, um, in a, in a different um, guys. Uh, similarly, Essex County Council did not object to the application on highway grounds then either. Um, there is just one uh, clarification, in fact, from the agent. Uh, in the report, I do mention that the, uh, there's a barn complex on the, um, on the right-hand side, you can see in just a um, dotted line, uh, that relates to a property called, I think, Green End Farm. That is just within Chelmsford City uh, administration boundary. 
um, I had thought that it was a conversion uh, under what is called the prior notification procedure from barns to dwellings. Um, I can't confirm it, but it would appear from the agent that uh, the only record of applications on this barn conversion range, which has in fact now been implemented into, I think, three units, is by way of change of use to um, dwellings to Chelmsford Borough Council. Um, so the conclusions on this application, Chair, I'll just read them to you, are that this application is considered to be a presumption in favour of sustainable development. The indicated access arrangements are acceptable. The design of the building conversion is acceptable. Uh, the, the parking standards will be met for a two-bedroom dwelling. Uh, there will be no impact on residential amenity, that's onto the host dwelling, and there will be no harmful impact upon protected or priority species. Thank you, Chair. So this application is recommended for approval. Thank you very much, Mr Theobald. Um, oh, right. We have one speaker, Stephen Hayhurst. Bet you thought you'd never get here. <laughs> Thank you, Madam Chairman, at last. Um, obviously, we're really pleased that this application has been recommended for approval, but we're surprised to see at the start of the report the reasons given by Councillor Barker, I think it was, for calling in the application, which included that it would involve overdevelopment with a considerable increase in the size of the existing dwelling. This is obviously wrong. The application is solely for the reuse of the two existing buildings with no increase in size whatsoever. This is a fundamental difference between this application and the one that was submitted for the site last year that Mr Theobald made some reference to. There is no overdevelopment, just the reuse of an existing attractive building and cart lodge. The reuse of existing buildings is one of the exceptions listed in paragraph 79 of the MPPF as an exception to the normal policy of refusing permission on so-called isolated sites. However, the inspector that dealt with the previous proposal did not have to consider this issue as the proposal went far beyond this and included a large two-storey extension, a large new roof gable and two dormers and a large detached garage with first floor space. The barn is a lawful residential annex. This means that presently its occupancy is linked to Hayden's house but that means it can be occupied by the parents or the grown-up children of the owners of Hayden's house and used in exactly the same way as an independent dwelling would be. The relative impact of using the barn as an annex or as an independent dwelling would be virtually identical. In particular, the same vehicular access would be used and the levels of traffic would be similar. This is one of the factors that the county would have used in making their technical assessment of the entrance and... As Mr Theobald said, they've once again found it to be safe. And that's the main, the access question is the main point raised by the objectors, uh, all of whom live some distance from this property. On the other hand, there are five supporters who occupy the five dwellings closest to Hayden's house, um, and they've raised no highways concerns, despite having more direct experience of the comings and goings in and out of the site access 
onto the main road. One of those supporters says she's lived at Onslow Green for 18 years and has never known there to be an accident in that time. She also confirmed that the X30 bus stop, bus service, definitely stops on request at Onslow Green and is used by her children, friends and other locals together with the 42A service. The previous inspector therefore clearly underestimated the bus services available at Onslow Green and didn't take into account the fact that the proposed dwelling would have a direct footpath link to the bus stop. Uh, and as Mr Thurbold said, at Green End Farm opposite the application site um, and just over the district boundary in Chelmsford, uh, full planning permission has been given to three barn conversions in the last five years. In conclusion, uh, I cons consider that uh, unlike the proposal refused last year, this is a straightforward change of use of an existing building to create a modest family home which would en enhance its surroundings with some new native species planting and would therefore accord with paragraph 79 of the MPPF. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Hayhurst. I'll open it up to the committee. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. Um, may I put a question to the officers through you? We've heard from Mr Hayhurst, and it's in the report, of course, that this site has a recent history. And the previous application... Um, the recent application which was refused and then dismissed as appeal was for um, a larger development proposal. I was somewhat surprised therefore to see the, this particular development having been accepted as an application. Is it, was it different enough, clearly the answer is yes, but I'd like to know how and why, for this to be an acceptable application given there's one very similar, that's just been through the mill. Yes, um, I can say this is materially different to the application in front of you um, on the basis that this application proposal as a revised scheme is now for the straightforward conversion of the annex building and also for the straightforward conversion of the ancillary storage building on the site whereas the, the 2017 application, which was refused by us and went to appeal and was dismissed, that was for an extension to the uh, existing annex building and for a new garage block to replace the existing. So there is a material difference on that basis, and therefore the application was appropriate to be accepted. Thank you. And may I ask, are you, are you quite comfortable then with this lesser development being acceptable in terms of policy than was the previous one. The previous one fell foul of policy on that basis, or for policy basis, did it? Uh, yes, I am. Um, I have to say that uh, the previous application, when it came in, uh, it was subject to a plenary inquiry, and there was some uh, debate then as to whether or not this uh, was or was not a sustainable location. Um, what I would say to uh, reinforce that is that 
and going back to your question this morning, I think, on timing, uh, whereas the, the revised NNPP2 uh, update was um, issued prior to the appeal decision for the previous application for the um, uh, dwelling with the extension, that was only by one month when the uh, inspector's decision was issued on the um, well, 23rd of August. Uh, now, obviously, the inspector would have had uh, that revised um, NPPF to hand, although um, I would say, and as the applic applicant's agent has said um, in the supporting statement, where the inspector says at paragraph 8, the appeal site is located at the edge of the existing rural hamlet of Onslow Green. In that respect, I do not consider the appeal site to be isolated. And so what I've had to do for this revised application is to assess its sustainability based upon what we measured and what the inspector measured for that previous uh, residential scheme uh, to where we are now in 2019, having regard to the court case, the Braintree court case judgment, which is essentially the, um, the primary uh, court judgment we have to use on the definition of isolation. And that has decreed that for a site to be isolated, it does really have to be isolated away from a settlement, uh, just one or two houses on its own, maybe up a track or something like this. Um, and on reflection, uh, for this application, in the analysis, uh, Onslow Green is not isolated. It's a small contained settlement. Uh, it is on the B1008. And uh, the important thing to say here, as uh, the agent has said, is that this site is right next door, right opposite uh, a request bus stop, uh, which is the 42 and 42A, which is an hourly bus service Mondays to Saturdays, uh, from, I think, Chelmsford to Dunmo. And in addition to that, I have had confirmed from the councillor, uh, councillor uh, Ranger, who called this in for it to be, if it was to be refused, that um, uh, the, uh, the Express X10 from Stansted to Southend also calls at this bus stop. So therefore, uh, it does have good sustainability in terms of um, public transport, uh, where you can get a bus right outside the site. Thank you, Chair. Uh, to, I have no objection to this uh, application whatsoever. The principle is eminently sensible to me. My only concern, question, was the fact that <clears throat> this previous, this same site and premises had such a very similar proposal in the immediate past, was refused and a with. Uh, an appeal uh, dismissed. I just wondered how on earth we've got to here, which is probably where we should have been in the first place, I suspect, basically. Thank you. Anybody else makes, want to comment? Can I take a proposal then for this, please? Oh, right. Councillor Lemon. Yes, I propose that we... Um, Pass this application. Happy to second. Happy to second. Okay. There we go. Sorry, wouldn't come on. Um, therefore, <coughs> excuse me a minute. <coughs> Voice is going now. Um, we have a proposal 
by, from Councillor Lemon and a seconder from Councillor Gerard to approve this proposal. Therefore, I take this to a vote. So all those in favour of approving this, please vote. It's unanimous. Thank you very much. 11 votes. Thank you. Um, just before I go on to the next item, I must just say Councillor Catton left after Agenda Item 5, had to leave, so he left just after Agenda Item 5. Thank you. Moving on. UTT 190514 HHF, Wernes Folly, 9 Carmen Street, Great Chesterford. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, this is an application... At, it's here because it's a former councillor's uh, application. Um, the application is for some fencing. This is a terrible plan, but it's, it's the proposal for a gate and a fence. Um, it's basically what they're intending to do. I, I think if I get to the, the right bit, that's the fence adjacent to it. It's no, it's no surprise what the fence looks like. But what, yeah, the reason why I did that was to go to the photograph. Um, the way that it works on this particular site is the uh, application has a shared a a an access which goes into three bits, goes into two adjacent properties, and it also goes into the community centre to the rear. What the applicant's proposal is to do is to actually put a fence across the front of one of those accesses, uh, a gate across, and then to fence in the garden with a close-boarded fence. Um, the site lies within the conservation area. We've got no objections, and the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Um, any comments? Councillor Pavitt. Yes, Chair. Um, I live two doors away from this particular application, uh, and several people have asked me to point out something. And what you don't see in this photograph is that uh, it's a view of community value. It goes across the primary school playing fields to the church spire. Um, and there is, some, while there's no objection to the fencing, there is some concern about the height and whether it would obstruct the view to the church. Councillor Pavitt did raise that with me before and had a better photograph than this one, which indicated that, yeah. But if you sort of go round and it goes out the way it is, you do get a view of the church. You'll get a view of the church. You do get the, the, the question really is, is understanding... I mean, I think the application is for a six-foot fence, isn't it? Yes. Um, what's there at the moment, what you don't see in any of those photographs... Oh, actually, there was one. Can you go... There was one where the... That's it, that one there. That, that, that gate there and that fence and the church... You can just, just see the church spire, see it? There, yeah. that's it. That existing line is just over five foot, five foot two inches from ground level to top level, which is fine at that distance... Um, as you go closer to, the, to this point here where there's going to be gates, I suspect, and I, don't, I can't say for sure, I suspect that if those gates are six foot, anybody standing in the street won't see the church spire. 
So you know, my, my, my suggestion may be that what goes there should be no more than five foot. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. Just a question. Should it rather be railings then? What I mean, open view. What, what you don't see at the moment is this is a very old photograph. There's a lot of shrubbery and trees and plants in this area now. So you can't actually see that open lattice work at the end there. I'm going to say what's proposed is what's in front of you. And so, I mean, and then, you know, it's a close body fence. The whole reason behind the application was to keep grandchildren in and, and out of the road, which everyone respects. But it's, it's them. So I don't think anyone's got any issues over the enclosure. If, but the, the form of enclosure is what's put in front of you today. So, so it's a case of you can't redesign it. It's a case of the usual considerations of what you do with it, approve, refuse or defer. But there's, there's no proposal there of what the gate's going to look like. Uh, yeah. You're correct there. Yeah, I've got a bloody phone with me. Yeah. It's... Sorry, the application relates to proposed erection of a boundary fence and gates to enclose the area of garden which it currently has. So the, the gate would be, the gate is six foot, I think it's the same height as what the fence would be. So it's, it's yes. Yeah. Councillor Lachlan. Sarah, I can't, I can't see any mention of, of the height of a fence. So... Is it three? Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a bit worn out now. Hang on. Sorry, just as a point of Where order, 1.83 metres is 1.83. six foot two. All right, okay. Mm. Just, 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 just saying, out of interest. Just saying, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, six foot uh, two. I mean, yeah, but that, that's the issue over that's why, yeah, okay. Chair, if I might add, this is one of those things where I don't think anybody's got any objection to the area being enclosed. It's simply being sympathetic to the fact that there is an established view which has gone into the neighbourhood plan. I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe it's already been listed as a view of community asset value or some such. So that's the only consideration. It's probably one of those things where on the site it could be settled in five minutes. Um, sorry, I was going to ask you a question there and it, my mouth opened and the brain lost it. <laughs> I must admit, sorry, I, I, I must admit I'm finding it difficult and my concern is... Excuse me. Excuse me. Are we having a separate so, meeting? Probably looking at the application online. Oh, right. Right. Yeah, that's right. So it's the same type of 
wouldn't, yeah. Right. If it's, sorry, sorry, Nigel, if it's in, if there's a possibility that it's a view and it's in the neighbourhood plan and Chesterford's plan's been made for, oh, a good while now. Oh, it's not been made. Oh, it's still in progress, right. Okay. Please don't go there. Oh, I'm not going there. Sorry, I thought, I thought Chesterford's had been made. Oh, it's Saxton's. It's Dunmill that's been made. Sorry, yes, I'm, brain's going. Um, okay. View, the issue about the view of the church, and I'm not diminishing this because the church is an important asset within it, doesn't need a neighborhood plan to actually say how important the views of the church are. This is within the conservation, so I, I don't think you don't need the neighborhood would have had put the cherry on the top of the whole of that as a consideration. But the view of the church is an issue, so so and what you've seen there, and this is what I, I is the fence and the gate are the same height of the same thing, it's close board, it's a close boarded gate for want of a better word so it would block in that because when in that position it would block views of the church so the issue is with in that consideration are members concerned about that or not i was going to say yes i, I like hey, concerned. i'm not saying that. there's a criticism if but you are concerned. councillor bagel can, can we just cut this short and if councillor pavitt feels that there's a, a material impact on the view of the church then can we just we can't we can't make changes to the application we either have to accept it or refuse it so can we just move to one or the other uh, and if you if you don't well, like it then let's refuse it um i'll be glad if i know i mean to say the point here is that, no, that nobody objects to to the fencing it's going to be a simple function of height so can we accept it subject to actually you are then actually approving it but and then you're then Okay. So we defer it for them to come back with a proposal to have a lower height? Why can't, why can't we have a condition that the fencing is maybe not a, a, a fixed board and more of an open? A condition on, on the gate, sorry. condition in something, but the proposal in front of you is that. So you're actually saying, and the most important thing is there's a close-boarded fence. Is it a close-boarded uh, gates. So by saying, yes, we're approving a and I think it's probably in the description um, of the boundary. And I think the issue is, I mean, you are saying no. You're not, you're saying you've got no issues regarding an enclosure. I don't think anyone's got a problem with enclosure, but you've got the specifics of an enclosure here. And I'll be honest with you, this has been a difficult one for the case officer to actually get details of the enclosure. And so... Yeah, yeah, so but you've got proposal, proposed fence and gate, and the very reasons why you've got concerns, it hasn't gone to a vote yet, is about is close bordered or not. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. Is there any merit in a site visit prior to taking a decision? <laughs> Just because? We've got two things here. We can defer it or we can refuse it, can't we? Or you could approve it. Or we could approve it. Sorry, but that, so I'm listening to the conversation. Sorry, but I'm listening to the conversation. I'm listening to the councillor Lochlan. Thank you. I know I'm a pain. If we refuse it, and um, Mrs. Rolfe knows why we've refused it, they may put in an application for a five-foot fence, and that will solve the whole problem. That's assuming that they're happy with that. So, and then. <laughs> She's making me laugh. So, 
Can, can I come back on this? Yes. Well, it, it, is, it is reasonable up to a point. It's just that there's no evidence here from, from the applicant to say that the fact that they chose a six-foot fence is because that's the perfect height to give you a view for the church. There's no evidence here at all. It might be. It might not. We might need a five-foot one. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that would certainly apply for an eight-year-old. So I, my, my inclination is, is, well, I don't know, either refuse and ask them to come back and put in a different application or defer it, subject to our establishing exactly what height it should be. Okay. We can indicate to the applicant it's not going well. And so we can actually look at them in terms of the main issues raised by members was the, the, the and it was raised not just by one member, it was raised by a number of members, the impact on the views of the church and the clarity. More over the, more over the gate than the fence, but then we can, we can, we, we can throw that in and if, if, if necessary we can get an amendment to that gate between now and the site visit. No, I'm still recommending approval. But I mean, it's, it's if members were if members were resolving to defer it for a site visit, we can do that little bit in between as well. Give some indications. Well, well, you're still going to make determine the application. Now, the issue is, it's not you making a decision. It's the decision is to defer it, and then when you reconsider it, we will give some indications to the applicant what's going on. Yeah. Councillor Lemon. Yeah, yep, I would propose that we defer this, is, this issue. For a, for a site visit. Yeah, yeah. yeah for yeah. a site visit. This is going for... Hey, gentlemen. Um, you've, you're staying behind and you're doing lines. Right. So... Um, we have a proposal for this. Um, Councillor Lemon has proposed and Councillor Lachlan has seconded that... Oh, I thought you had! <laughs> I thought, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. Um, to defer this matter for a site visit. Is that... Yes? That's right, yes. Um, so I'll take that to a vote. Thank you. To defer... They're, I think they're abstaining. Are you abstaining? Or? Okay, thank you very much. And we have... Hey, last one. Yeah. Okay, UTT 190391, full. Land at Berry Water Lane, Newport. And it's the Chief Officer's report. Thank you, Nigel. That's what's throwing me, so I went from the back. This should be straightforward, I think. Members refused this at the last planning committee, and so we have some proposed refusal reasons in front of you. 
on page 161, and the issue is, does that capture, does that package the reasons for refusal from the last meeting? Uh, so all is say, uh, I think members do need to accept that that was the refusal reason, and I, I appreciate that there's probably a handful of you that most of you, a big chunk of you, weren't here. But <laughs> Councillor Gerard. Yes, I mean uh, this was myself and Councillor Fairhurst. Um, I have read through this, and this fairly reflects the reasons for refusal. I'm happy to proceed on this basis. Thank you very much, Councillor Gerard. Okay, so we, this is, thank you all for attending, or the ones that are left standing or sitting, um, and participating. The next planning committee meeting will be held here at 2pm on the 21st of August.